Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Well, hello there, guys. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw. It's a Tuesday Night Jaw Meets episode this week on the Distraction Pieces Network. Uh, I'm your host, Jim. Uh, today I went and had a chat with the wonderfully bearded Mr. Trent Seven. You've heard him on a roundtable episode before. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, we've got a good couple of hours chat between me and him, so you learn a lot about him. But he is a star of uh, Fight Club Pro, Progress, ICW, Rev Pro, uh, Shikara over in the States. Uh, he's a fantastic wrestler. Uh, and I think his story is interesting because he's kind of come to rest in a little bit later than some people. Um, and smashing talent uh lovely guy outside the ring great to chat to uh makes a good cup of tea so uh you've got a couple of hours of us chatting to have a listen to uh, if you want to get involved with the podcast uh, the best way to get involved with me tweet me at jim smallman use the hashtag tuesday night jaw so i know we're talking about wrestling um uh, and that's how to get hold of me jim smallman on twitter um uh also you can uh recommend the podcast to people i mean that's the best way to get people involved in this podcast we've got loads of subscribers which is brilliant i always want more subscribers i'm not going to lie to you so if you want to recommend this podcast uh, to someone then please do um, go back and enjoy the archive as well if this is your first time listening to tuesday night jaw go back and listen to the other tuesday night jaw meets episodes for example where i chatted with william regal or where i chatted with jack gallagher um there's a couple of chats with friends of mine from the comedy world other people around the wrestling industry as well um and there's all the roundtable episodes even if they can stand on their own even if you've not just watched a pay-per-view that we're talking about um they're normally a good laugh and we normally get involved with all kinds of shenanigans so go back and listen to the archive of stuff that we've got also did a few guides to things we did a guide to new japan and we did a guide to the battle of los angeles the pwg show um so go back and have a listen to those and i always find it interesting when someone tweets me and they're answering a question that i asked like six podcasts ago Um, because it means people are still listening to the archive of stuff. So if you want to recommend the podcast to anybody, you want to point someone in the right direction, jimsmallman.com slash tnj. jimsmallman.com slash tnj. That's where you've got all the links, how to subscribe, how to download the show in various formats, and a list of all the archive shows that we've got. So head there, jimsmallman.com slash tnj. Point people in that direction. Keep sharing Tuesday Night Jaw around. I appreciate you guys' support. I appreciate you guys spreading the word. That's why the podcast is a success, but please keep doing it. I will be eternally grateful. 
Other quick little plugs. I've got a stand-up show available to download for $5 if you want to watch me being funny for an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, a show that was nominated for some awards and stuff like that. JimSmallman.com slash MyGirls is my stand-up show. There's a clip there, me talking about my daughter and Metallica, so go and have a look at that. Also, um, uh, my wrestling company. Mention it quite a bit, Progress Wrestling. I am one of the three co-owners of Progress Wrestling down in London. We've just had a show in Manchester a week or so ago. That's now available on demand-progress.com to watch, along with all our previous shows, uh, progresswrestling.com for all our merch and tickets and stuff like that. We have a show this coming Sunday in London. Uh, It's sold out, but... As a little reminder, if you are coming to it, remember, the show starts an hour later than normal, as well as the fact the clocks go back. Don't get confused. Uh, This show starts at five rather than four o'clock, finished by about nine o'clock. So do remember that if you're coming along. And obviously, if you ever see me doing stand-up, this week I'm doing stand-up in Amersham, then Brighton twice, uh, Liverpool tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, If you see me doing stand-up and you listen to Tuesday Night Chore, just walk up to me and high-five me. Don't tell me why you're doing it. We know what the code is. Just high-five me. Preferably the right hand. It's easy to high-five with. But just high-five me. Then I know you're listening to Tuesday Night Joe. I know I'm getting through to people talking about wrestling. And of course, check out the other stuff on the Distraction Pieces Network as well. Uh, the wonderful Mr. Scroobius Pip has graciously let Tuesday Night Joe be on his wonderful network. Of course, there's the His Distraction Pieces podcast. And there's also Say Why to Drugs and the Stop and Search podcast. Listen to all of them because they're all good. Uh, and I'm dead proud of being on the Distraction Pieces Network. Right. Here's to me and Trent Seven having a natter in his dining room today. Enjoy that. I'll wrap things up at the end. Uh, I'll see you in a bit. Cheers. So we are rolling. Um, hello, Trent Seven. Hello, Jim Small. Hi. Um, so I've had a theory about your origin story as a okay. professional wrestler. Yeah. So my, my theory on your origin story is this. That one day in your youth, when you were a, a new young wrestler... You um, will probably call it, I don't know, Dangerous Dave or something like that. You've got a particularly terrible brand new wrestler name. And one day you're on the M6 travelling to a show and in front of you, you see a 7 Trent water van and you go, boom, I'm in. Um, Money. Is this where your name came from? (laughs) Please tell me it's where your name came from. I'd love to just say yes and move on, but unfortunately not. Is it not? No. Um, <laughs> when I started um, in inverted commas wrestling, yeah, you know, in the back garden, um, my name was Ben Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> this is already amazing. <laughs> so I'm only ever going to call you Ben yeah, Shamrock from now so on. So the whole thing. We'll was, save your number in my phone as yeah. Ben Shamrock. So the whole thing was we were like. <clears throat> Okay, we love the WWE, this is cool, let's just be wrestlers. So we all had silly names that were kind of like wrestlers. We were like, oh man, this is just not professional enough. We need our own names. Let's get cool names. We're like, all right, okay. So we all sat down and everyone was trying to like work out what their name was going to be. And uh, I f- went through college uh, NFL players, or some, uh, not college NFL, college football yeah. players. And there was a guy called Trent Weber. Nice. I was like, oh wow, super cool name. Yeah. That's cool, I'll use that. And I was like, nah, it's just not indie enough. <laughs> so like Trent Pleather. There's a lot of like there's a lot <laughs> like Yeah, there's a lot of like two initials something. You know, yeah. like AJ. So, yeah. so it's like oh, okay. Uh, a number. Trent's my lucky number seven, Trent Seven. There you go, Trent Seven, Seven Trent. Oh my god, I'm from the Midlands. That's the local <laughs> water company. That's why I got links. it. Links. 
okay, this is perfect. And I was like, actually, shall I, shall I use the, the spelling of seven as in the river? So S-E-V-E-R-N. Yeah. I was like, yeah, actually, that makes more sense. Because then I can tell people I was trained by Dan the Beast. Nice. So nice. that gives me that legitimacy. Yeah. You know, so, oh, why is your name trained seven? <laughs> I was trained by Dan the Beast. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. In, his, in his ratty grey jumper yeah and then I kind of realised that the, the logo doesn't work I wanted to do like a T with a, a lowercase T with a little 7 under it nice. and I was like it's not going to work with the R so I dropped the R and became Trent Seven you're like very much like Cristiano Ronaldo with your own branding mm. yeah just mm. T7 yep T7 if people just refer to you as T7 it also yeah. makes you sound like a Terminator which is pretty it sweet it does um, how long have you been wrestling for now? With any level of professionalism since 2008, uh, but at my first training sessions and seminars that I did was 2000-2001. Because I, I, this genuinely blew me away. You're older than I thought you were. A little bit, yes. Yes. Um, in, the, in, a, in a world of independent wrestling, you are you're not, not massively old, mm. but you are older than most people on the progress roster. For yeah. example, um, I think maybe everyone. Yeah, um, can we say can we say how can we say how old you are? Or I think you can, yeah, you can say how old. How, how old are you? I'm 35. Yeah, which is well, and I was genuinely surprised. Yeah, because partly because it feels in the last, it feels in the last. <laughs> that is Trent's dogs barking in the background. Um, but um, it does feel like in the last couple of years you've really come to the fore, which yeah. will always make people think that. You're younger than you are, yeah. Because if people only have you in their sphere of recognition for a couple of years, they're just going to go, "Fuck it, he's 23." Yeah, right. Exactly. Which is it's fine. It um, should be lovely if people could continue to. <laughs> but um, so so 2008 is what eight years ago that you started doing it with any sort of so yeah, with any sort of level of so that's 27 training. You, 27 when you started, yeah. Which is that's when I started stand up. Mm. So um, when I was 27, so it's it's, I mean, to me. You see so many people training now to be wrestlers. Well, your tag team partner is still nine years old. Uh, in, in, in obviously, not in progress, but in other companies. He, you know, like Tyler is 19? He's 19 years older. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> adequately old enough to be his father. <laughs> That's one of the first things I ever said to him. <laughs> Was this, you're really good and I'm old enough to be your dad yeah um, with no illegality whatsoever yeah. <laughs> legitimately um, but I mean what were you doing up until 27 where you, at one point you went because it, it feels it, it seems to me I mean we get people at the, the progress training school who will come in at all different ages mm. but 27 seems these days mm. seems quite old to be to be having a proper go at it yeah yeah um, uh, when I when I left school and went to college, that was when I started doing the, the whole backyard thing. I found like another crew of guys at uh, at college that was talking about wrestling as well. I was like, "Ooh, yeah, okay." <laughs> and it's like we can be secret friends. <clears throat> I think I can remember the first name of the first in inverted commas show <laughs> that we ever did. Uh, and uh, I could, yeah, it's not necessarily a swear word. It was called Swearing Swan. Capital Cockknocker. <laughs> Because it was just, it was just after the Capital Carnage UK only pay per view. Wow! Do you remember that one? Yeah. Maybe it was a steel cage main. I can't remember. But yeah, so um, it was around about ninety eight. I'd imagine that was yeah. Oh yeah, ninety nine. And uh, and yeah, so 
we, you know, we would talk and, you know, we would be like, oh my God, yeah, did you watch Raw? And they're like, yeah, do you want to come around mine and watch the pay-per-views and stuff like that? So we're like, oh, okay, cool. I've got somewhere to watch wrestling now. Yeah. You know, with people that like wrestling. Yeah. Which, is, which I, didn't, I didn't have for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, we never had Sky or anything like that mm. when we were kids. So, like, you get the random WrestleMania 5 tape yeah. that my dad would bring out and I'd be like, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah so um, that was kind of like how we got into into wrestling but me then I suppose life takes over Mm. drink yeah you know kebabs food (laughs) earning your own money and being able to spend it on whatever you want yeah you know so you know you veer away from things like that we stayed like backyarded for a couple of years and it was just like life takes over yeah people get jobs Everyone moves away. Like one of our best mates went to like Australia to work over there, to like live over there for like six, six months. I went and moved to Leicester. Oh, how excellent! I did not know this. Yeah. This is excellent. <laughs> so I went and moved to Leicester and did some door to door sales there. Amazing, which was really good. Lived in lovely Aylston. Yeah, this yeah. is this is quite bizarre. Yeah, I know. I thought I'd save this one up for one yeah. of these moments. Uh, <laughs> And I lived there for a little bit, and like we were working out there, and then uh, the company expanded, so we moved to Luton, which was a very dark period of anyone's life. No offence to anyone from Luton, but it's it's not the, the nicest place in the world. Um, I think Johnny Kidd's from Luton, isn't he? Johnny Kidd is from Luton, yeah, because he works uh, for Vauxhall, doesn't he? He does, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, Johnny Kidd. I love you. Um, and then I moved from Luton to London. Stayed in London for around about a year, year and a half. Just flittering around all the you know the, the normal places. Then came back uh, at around about the same time you know when everyone else was coming back and you know my mate had come back from Australia. Yeah. And then, uh, then we just kind of got together around about two thousand seven ish and went. Should we do that wrestling thing again? That was kind of cool, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah, we've got money now. Yeah, should we just buy a ring? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. See, I think that's it's it's quite a cool thing. Um, to go back to a passion, it's like with with me with me doing stand up when I was twenty seven. I was yeah. really into. I wanted to, to be a performer when I was a teenager, and then I started drinking. And then when I was twenty, I quit drinking. But then I was married when I was twenty three, and, and as a dad at twenty five, so yeah. loads of stuff sort of fell by the wayside. And you're right. The, the, there's got to be loads of people who desperately wanted to be a wrestler at eighteen mm-hmm. and never got around to it. Whereas your proof that you've you got to a point, you never got around to it, but then you came back to it, which is... Yeah, like, me, me and a friend who we were doing the backyarding with, we literally got to the point where, obviously this is many moons ago, before sat-navs or mm. anything like that, we had a copy of um, a roadmap for the UK, and we highlighted the route from here to Hammerlock's training school. Nice. And there's an advert in the back of Power Slam magazine, and we were like... We can go down and train. Yeah. We can actually go and pay and people are going to train us to be pro wrestlers. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll do it. Uh, I think it, then his car broke down like the week before so he had to send his car in and then something else happened. You know, mm. the shit takes over, doesn't it? So. Who did, um, how did you end up training? So when when you started in 2007, when you, there was some semblance of professionalism as you said. How, yeah. how, did, you, how did you get into training then? There was... Obviously, buying a ring was pretty cool because hmm. you know it's a very. I think it's a luxury to be able to train 
in a ring yeah. all the time. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Because people forget there's plenty of places you train without a ring. Yeah, without a ring. Yeah. Um, like the first place I trained. <laughs> <laughs> horrendous, black and blue for like six weeks. But yeah, it was good. So we're like, okay, we've got this ring. Uh, I think a lot of, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't, I don't, I think everyone can be a professional wrestler or I don't think everyone can be a professional mm-hmm. wrestler. I just think it's down to how much someone wants to learn something. Yeah. That's more, that's more <clears throat> what makes people good. So we were like, right, okay, let's just watch some tapes. Let's find out what's going on. Ring of Honor was starting to get cool, like really cool around mm-hmm. about that time from like 2005 onwards. TNA's X Division was like just yeah. super cool. So we're like, right, let's just try all this stuff. So we just used to go there and just practice and practice and practice. And we're like, mm, yeah, it's not really good enough. We need something else. And obviously, uh, Jay, Rockstar Spud, Mastiff, uh, and the Hunter Brothers. They were kind of like the guys that we would go to little shows and watch. Yep. Like uh, a company called SAS. They used to run Birmingham, Birmingham Way. A company called AWW used to run over Birmingham Way as well. And obviously, there used to be this company called FCW, which was not Florida Championship Wrestling, obviously. <laughs> uh, he, used to, he used to still run in Baggeridge Social Club in Lower Gornal, if you've ever had the joy of going there. That's one of the most West Midlands sounding names yeah, in the history of time. <laughs> It's, you know, I'm not. I don't put over anything really because I don't like. You know, because you know, people then just associate you with something yeah. else. But if you've got a spare minute on a pay per view Sunday, you should pop down to Baggeridge. It's just the. It's it's a great deal of fun, and fun. I mean fun. So anyway, they, those boys used to wrestle down there. And we were like, these guys are good, man. So like, we got in contact with them. They would come down and kind of help us. We would go and try and find training sessions. Uh, the FWA had kind of like uh, re researched yep. around about that time as well. So there was a lot of stuff that they were doing. They had like a training syllabus thing that Jay and uh, and Dave were involved with at the time. So we used to we, we got involved in that a little bit. Um, there was loads of indie stuff like um, do you remember King of Europe? Do you remember, yeah, remember yeah, yeah. King of Europe? Uh, we went to King of Europe, and then after that, we had a training set like a like a like a two-day thing with um, Matt Seidel, Evan Bourne, and Ryo Saito from Dragon Gate. Like, they came down and just stayed with us for a couple of days and just beat us up for, like, two days. Imagine Ryo Saito was just, if he was from Dragon Gate, it was just, how fast can you run off the ropes? Incredible pace. sprint off the ropes? Yeah, incredible (laughs) pace. Uh, But that was was really cool. And then the next year, um, we had a lot. I think there's yeah, a show called Independence Day mm-hmm. that we helped do in Wolverhampton, which had like a ton of like ROH guys. Kenny Omega uh, was on that show, Sweet. making his uh, UK debut, and then he stayed with me and taught me a shitload of stuff. Um, David Richards stayed as well, learned a massive amount of him. So and you just kind of pick it up on the way, and then obviously as we started doing Fight Club Pro and mm. getting involved in doing this, like, the indie shots, like the indie shows. You know, Davey was actually quite an integral part of the company at that point, so... I mean, do you think there's... Because you you started your full-on training a bit later than a lot of people would do, Mm. do you think there was more desire in you to make it succeed? Because you kind of... When you're 27, you're a grown-up. Yeah. When you're 18, there's every chance of you just going, fuck this, I can't be bothered. 
Right. Do you think, when the time you've got the 20... Because I, I feel that's with me with stand-up. When I was 27 and I realised there was something I loved doing, I went, there's nothing stopping me from doing this now. I'm going to throw everything into it. And I did. I, I did a lot of miles to do a lot of gigs for no money because I yeah. wanted to get good. And is it the same with wrestling? Was it? Were you training with people who were like, dead good, but dead young, and just it's so easy to be distracted, whereas you're like, no... I've waited this long to do this. I'm I'm really going to go all out after it. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's a great question. From say, let me think, 2007, 2008, when I started, you know, properly training, going to seminars and learn and, and trying to learn as much as I could. From that up to around about 2012-ish, it was more a case of we were just doing it. Do you know what I mean? We were just we were just doing little shows like for our mates, and it was it was kind of building nicely. And then we got to 2012, like people started to like notice that we were a company. Yeah. Like Fight Club Pro was a thing. Mm. They've got some wrestlers. David Richards has wrestled for them. Oh my god, what's going on? Mm. And then from there, it, it, it kind of blew up a little bit. Not not too quick because you just have to take everything on as it comes. But it it, it was pretty a pretty quick explosion into. Mm. I think like within a year we'd gone from like having a slot on the show and a guy and then it was like I think we did a show called International Techers in 2012 which had like Gresham versus Gargano as the opener for the Dragon Gate title there was MK versus Devitt 30 minutes in the main event for the title it was me versus David Richards uh Oh god, I can't even remember the rest of the card. It was just ridiculous. Like I, just I remember, I remember from, seeing this card. People were just coming it. from everywhere and be like, "Oh my god, this is going." We're like, "Oh god, we don't know what to do." But you just take it and you just, <laughs> we just did, you know, we did all these shows and and it, and it was pretty good. And 2012, like that kind of like boom was where I was like, "Right, I really like this," hmm. but. I don't, I don't really, I didn't really know the angles to get into other companies. Mm. Not necessarily that I'll, you know, I'll be open with it with you. Like, I didn't necessarily want to. Yeah. Um, not in a, not in an egotistical way or anything like that at all. I just always thought that like, you know, you can go to a lot of indie shows and you'll see a lot of the same guys. Mm. But if you can only see one guy in one place, you're, you're going to go and, see that guy in that place yeah. and it's not like I ever thought oh people will pay to see me because no. I was a straw <laughs> <laughs> it's just I was having cool matches against ridiculously good wrestlers who were carrying me through the matches and, and you know I was learning so much from these matches and that was kind of like that was the point where I was like I'll just do Fight Club Pro I'll just be Fight Club Pro and if I get there I get there and if mm. I don't I don't and then 2013 some stuff happened and then I was like no, nah, I can, I can, I can put more into this. Yeah, I can actually seriously have a go at this. And then over the course of the last like three years, because that's the thing is, is from a, a progress point of view, you were always on our radar because we knew you were doing good things with with Fight Club Pro. Yeah. So, but again, we didn't get a chance really to use you until until a little while ago. Mm. And it, and it's often the case with we have a big list of people we'd like to get on our shows, but because of how we plan, we can't cool. always do it. But I think there's definitely something about. <clears throat> First of all, it, the, the, the special nature of someone only appearing in a couple of companies is, is a big thing because it does, it does make you stand, your work stand out a little bit. Yeah. But also, I think having the discipline as well for you to go, right, you, you got really good in Fight Club Pro. 
and then spread your wings and went elsewhere yeah. rather than trying to wrestle everywhere when you're quite new to it because unfortunately sometimes people's first impression of you if you're not you're not absolutely great the first time they see you the first impression of you is very much like okay they were fine whereas yeah. your first impression with most people when you started working for them well, like you say in 2013 when you started really spreading your wings most people's first impression of you is going to be fucking hell Trent's good isn't he because you've already had all that. Kind of almost like yeah, like like a, a little bit of a where's this guy come from? Yeah, like, and and like I, just, I, I didn't consciously consci- uh, consciously do it. It was just more of a fact of like I, I wanted to build something with Fight Club Pro. I really did. I wanted to build something with myself, and I just didn't have the at the time before say two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, to really put the full effort into it. And then you know, the, the time became available. It was like right. Let's go and do this. Like, let's see how far we can push this yeah. now. So, I've been very lucky. You know, people seem to like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I will continue to, you know, to, to put everything I've got into every match. And it's out. You, you know. You're full time, full time wrestler? Yeah, it's my full time job from as of March this year. What was, the, what was the last day job you did before? I was managing a call centre. Which is, is both. To me, because you, I see you as a wrestler, is ridiculous for me to think about. But also knowing, because you're one of the friendliest people in, you know, when you take away any gimmick that you're given in a promotion, like backstage, you just the sort of person who walks straight into progress, and everyone went, he's a good lad, isn't he? right? And the, the friendliness of you and the chattiness of you, I can totally imagine you doing like, like when you went, I was doing door to door sales. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'd probably buy shit off of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. Because it's something that people are always fascinated by is, is the is the day job thing. Because there's not there's not a whole load of British. And this is something I'm I'm keen on. I want as many British wrestlers to be full time as possible because yeah. it means everyone gets better. Yeah. You know, I got better as a comedian when I was a full time comedian. When yeah. I was still doing a day job. I was fine at comedy, but it's you just constantly got that little yeah. thing in the back of your mind. And you know, if you look at, I don't think I might get this wrong. But I reckon there's probably only. 25, 30 full-time wrestlers in this country. And, and some of them are full-time. Uh, there's ways of being a wrestler and having a job that fits in with wrestling. So there's a lot of wrestlers who are personal trainers. Yeah, example, yeah. Which, which super which fits in. Perfect, yeah. yeah. Because you're self-employed doing something yeah. else and you can work your diary around it. But I'm... Like we mentioned Johnny Kidd before. I think Johnny Kidd's always had a job as long mm-hmm. as he's been a wrestler. And he's been a wrestler for decades. Yeah. And it and it's it's something I've always found fascinating. And... You know, realizing there's still, you know, big indie guys in the states who've still got day jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not. It'd be brilliant if there was a way to ensure that. And I think we're getting closer to that now. There's there's more and more wrestling midweek now than there's ever been. Yeah. But have you ever sort of done the sort of all star camps and stuff like that? No, because it, I, I didn't think you would have done. With uh, the yeah, nature of how you, yeah, got into with the it. nature of how I got into it, it just never became apparent. And then, <clears throat> you know, as you're coming up, you learn all the stories and hear all the you know the, mm. the pros and the cons and all the crazy stuff that happens on the camps and all the amazing shows that they do and there's like shows with like two three four thousand yeah. people there going nuts and it's like that's an amazing experience but it wasn't necessarily something that ever you know you know set a light inside me to go mm. that's it I, I want to do the buttons for six for six weeks you yeah know, that's where I want to learn it was just that that kind of style of wrestling, as I perceived it at that point, was just not really what I wanted to do. Mm. I just, I, I, you know, indie wrestling was just, oh my god, 
Like, yeah. And Dave Richards was killing everyone with buzzsaw kicks and like, <laughs> kicking out on everything. <laughs> that, that, that's the thing that that's the thing that hooks me. You know, like you know, if you if you're if you're an actor and you absolutely love action movies and you loathe and detest horror movies. You're not going to just go and watch loads of horror movies no. just because it's a film, no. you know. And I think wrestling is kind of like touches in and out of that kind of spectrum. So I was like, no, I'll, I'll just stick to this stuff. And then yeah. you know, if it happens, it happens. But a lot of people ask me that. They're like, oh, so how, how many camps? How many camps have you done? I'm like, none. See that, is and they're like, oh, well, it, what? Because it's I've like, never done a camp. I'm like, no. I think it's it's not just in a British wrestling fan's perception. I think it's in a global wrestling fan's perception because mm-hmm. if you look at like Colts podcast, for example, always talking about it, and and when you know that people like you know like um, like the guys from the revival in NXT, and you know that you know, Daniel Bryan was in yeah. doing the camps here for years, and and when you're aware of that, you're like, shit, it's a big part of everyone's. But there's there's plenty of people. Um, yeah. Um, one day I hope sincerely to, to sit Jimmy Havoc down and have a chat with him because um, his story about why he no longer works for the camps is beautiful um, uh, um, but, I can <laughs> but yeah it's it, I, it is a big part of everyone's perception like the, uh, the first British wrestling show me and John went to watch when we decided to start doing progress was an all-star show in Gravesend, mm. um, which Nathan Cruz and Dave Mastiff were both on. And <clears throat> we watched that show, and it blew our minds, because up until that point, all the, all the shows I'd, I'd been to watch were either, um, were either in America, where I'd been to watch wrestling in the States, mm. or they were WWE or TNA shows here. Yeah. So when we went and watched that, I was like, well, this is... This is very different to what, what we want to do as a product, but we still have to be able to understand it to get British wrestling. Yeah. You know, and it, it is a huge part of it. But I think your route in is unusual, isn't it, I suppose, for, for, for most people. And as well, if you've, I think if you've got to a point where you're in your 30s by the time your career's really kicking on, you've probably saved a bit of money, so it's not as important, maybe. Because financially, the camps are a huge part of a, of a full-time wrestler's oh, salary. Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. You know. Um, so, when you, when things really started kicking off for you in sort of like 2012, 2013 time, was there a, did you have a list? Because some people do this, some people don't. Did you have a list of things you wanted to do in wrestling? Yeah. There, 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 there was definitely certain things I wanted to do. Corrick and Hall was one. Yeah. The ECW Arena was on there, and Nigel McGuinness. Uh, have you done these things? Ticks go through. Which is amazing. Yeah. I wrestled a six-man tag for Big Japan with me, uh, MK, and oh, that's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> and one of their guys, uh, versus a team that was led by Men's Tao. Oh, formerly Kyle Tyne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that match is uh, is available on YouTube. Thank good. Um, uh, it was actually it was actually really really good. It was really really good fun. Um, Big so Japan are a cool little company as well yeah, because they I know they do a lot of the deathmatch stuff, but equally uh, that's Sakamoto's company, isn't it? Yeah, Sakamoto's so, uh, pretty good. And Daisuke Sakamoto is one of my favourite wrestlers yeah. in the world. And uh, so uh, well, actually, they've got some really good guys there. Um, oh, I can't remember the names. There's a tag team there. With like shaved heads but really long black hair. I can't remember what they're called. <laughs> the Brahmins. Yeah. 
if if anyone wants to have a look at some hilarious, hilarious, super genius comedy wrestlers, you should check out the Brothers. <laughs> They're amazing. So you've been to Japan, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I went to Japan, did a tour with uh, Big Japan for I think it was about twelve days, which is really cool. Um, I have never been to Japan. I'm desperate to go to Japan, um, either for wrestling related reasons or um, I'll be honest. I promised my daughter when she's eighteen, I'll take her to Japan because she's yeah. obsessed with anime. So and you know, if if you're gonna go. Probably the first week, second week of January is a good time to go. Because you know? <laughs> there's apparently... There's a big show. There's a really cool show that happens yeah. at the start of January. Um, um, but yeah, so ECW Arena, and that presumably with, with Shikara? Uh, no, that was actually through CZW. Ah. Uh, and um, I, I'm quite more than proud to say that um, it was fully featured on Botchamania. <laughs> Hey, it, Matthew. It was, <laughs> it was the worst match of my professional career. Who was it against? Uh, it was against uh, their current tag team, their tag team champions at the time, which was uh, Black G's and Joker. Right. And, um, yeah, it was just really bad. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it, we were just green as grass. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, how... how when was this? Cause this 2011, that one. So, yeah, it is. You are quite used yeah. Well, I mean, we were green as grass. And, and especially um, if you were doing the whole sticking a fight club thing. In terms of your... Even though years-wise, you would yeah. have been around for a bit. Number of matches-wise, presumably, oh, it God, was still... 10, 20 yeah. matches. Yeah. Of any... Yeah, 20 matches, man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we were just green as grass. And, oh, the match was just... sucked. What, what was the worst thing that appeared on Botchamania in that match? <laughs> <clears throat> I, I can't pick out one. <laughs> I, remember, I remember actually, like, <clears throat> I remember Irish whipping um, one, um, one of the guys to the ropes, to the ropes, and he just didn't come back. <laughs> so he hit the ropes and, and like, he stopped. Yeah, he like took a middle of the rope buckle. <laughs> no, I need, I need you. This is the rules. So it's just. And that we just lost the whole, I, you know, I just lost the whole flow of the match, and like, you know, I just didn't have that thinking on your feet head then. So, mm. it, yeah, there was. I think MK went to do a low bridge, and he went through the middle and the top. This dude did, and I was like, <laughs> oh, no one does that. And then we lost it again because we're like, oh, stressing, and I think MK slipped, I slipped going to the top rope. It was like, oh, do you find that? Say, if I'm doing, if I'm doing a set. And I fuck something up two minutes in. It, I, I, I very rarely recover. <laughs> and and stuff will repeatedly go wrong because all I can think about is yeah. stuff going wrong. Do you? Does that happen to a wrestler? So it, this sounds like a match where everything went wrong. Oh yeah, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. I mean, is there a coping mechanism? So because stuff goes wrong, and and one thing I'm proud of with progress fans is, is it's very rare you hear uh, you fucked up, champ. Yeah, because I've. You know, I've been one of. I'm. I'm always saying I find that incredibly disrespectful. Mm. In the same way that I find anyone chanting "You can't wrestle" at someone who's employed to be a professional. <laughs> yeah, he's just currently. You know, whether or not you like that, if you dislike Roman Reigns, fine. Yeah. But Roman Reigns is a perfectly good wrestler. Yeah, I get. Just, I totally get. What you're and and it just to me, it's disrespectful because yeah. I. I mean, you know what it's like when you wrestle for us. When we give you booking instructions, I will tell you what I want out of a match. I won't tell you how to wrestle. Yeah, because I'm not a wrestler, and I've never been a wrestler. Neither is John or Glenn. We've no interest in doing that. That's why we have agents to help out, and why we often leave it in your hands. Yeah. But um, is it the case that that 
if you, I suppose the more experience you get, if something goes wrong, you probably now have a, is it like a take a deep breath and count to 10 and just get, a, you know, take a breath and, and recover? Yeah, like at that point, I, rem- I remember it going to, to specifically deep shit. <laughs> and I just thought, oh man, I know, chop battle. It's <laughs> 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 <Right>. indie wrestling. <laughs> what gets, you know, it, chops get great reactions from the crowd because it's like, it's, it's arguably the most realist thing that we yeah. do in wrestling. So I was like, right, chop. Got him back, then ruined something again. <laughs> I was like, oh God, we can't just keep chopping each other. This is bad. Um, but now, I mean, arguably, you know, touch wood, the level, the level of performing in this country right now, mm. I believe is just, I think it's so high, especially on the cut, you know, on the progresses, the Red Pros and the RCWs and the top at the top, the top end of the, of the companies in the UK. I think the talent's so good that I, I can't remember the last time something went wrong, wrong. Mm. I can, I know, some, you know, so the guys are in the right place, or there's something wrong, or you, you do a move in, in the wrong sequence, and or whatever it is. But stuff only you knows wrong. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. So stuff that the crowd can't. Like, in all fairness, I like you say about like the, the progress fans, you know, having the respect to not chant, you know, you fucked up. I haven't heard a you fucked up chant on a show I've been on for a long time. Which is good. Because I think it's good, man. And it just shows that, you know, people are trying hard enough. Yeah. You know, and like I say, you know, if the guys, you know, like myself, who are actually, you know, full-time professional wrestlers, if we can just keep pushing that, that mm. it, it is and it can be a real thing that you can have a job yeah. doing this and earn a decent income from yeah. it. And then, live in Britain still. And live in the UK, yeah. It's it'd be it'd be brilliant to do, uh, but the standard throughout is just so much so much higher than it was. What was the third thing on your on your to do list? So we've done Japan, we've done East Nigel McGuinness, and Nigel McGuinness, who is a wonderful human being. Oh. Was, was that on his retirement tour? It was. Yeah, yeah. he's um, a smashing bloke. I remember having him. Um, I don't know if I've told this story on Tuesday Night Jaw before, but the first time I ever met him was before WrestleTalk was on challenge and it used to just be on the web I got asked yeah. to go down and, and do an episode of it and <clears throat> which I think you can probably still find on YouTube um, it was weird in that all the bulbs went in the studio at one point and we had to wait around for a bit but kind of lit chat Nigel McGuinness is is one of my heroes and and I'd never met him and it was still at the point where um, I think this it was right before it was either right after progress had started or right before progress had started because I was still doing a thing called the slam on his on retirement tour was November slash December two thousand eleven I think so yeah so it's so it is before we started yeah. but we'd announced that we were starting a company oh, yeah. but I was still hosting a, a a TV program called the Slam so I <laughs> I went along to um, I went along to to meet him I was super excited and at this point like I've still there's loads of my heroes that I've still yet to meet but. I, you know, I'm, I'm friendly and cordial and I, I know how to talk to wrestlers and all this sort of stuff, but it was still a big deal for me. And I was thinking, I'm going to meet Nigel McGuinness. I wasn't prepared for when I walked in the door, Nigel McGuinness is sat just waiting around. And I go, hello. He goes, hiya. I'm off to the chip shop. Do you want anything? I'm like, this is the best way ever to meet a hero. Yeah, can I come with you? He bought me sausage and chips. <laughs> I gave him some money and <clears throat> sausage and chips. It was great. Um, so, um, was... was, was Hit that particular retirement tour match was it for Fight Club Pro? Yeah, yeah, which is even nicer, isn't it? To do it in your yeah, bizarrely in a triple threat match for the title 
me, Nigel McGuinness, and Eddie Edwards. Um, who won? Eddie Edwards. See, what would have been bizarre? Eddie Edwards but wasn't even Nigel McGuinness wins on his retirement tour. Okay, cheers for that. <laughs> <laughs> cheers for that. You can do a tournament or something next yeah. month. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. Break the internet with that. Um, so, the states-wise, obviously you've been back since because you are um, you're a big part of Shikara, aren't you? Yeah. Which is now Shikara have a nice working relationship with Fight Club Pro. Yep. Um, I mean, we get, as, as a company, Progress gets on super well with Shikara. I'm a huge Shikara fan and have been for a long time, um, uh, mainly because King of Trios is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's literally the greatest it's one of the greatest things in independent wrestling and he's on my to-do list of a show I want to go to as a fan King Trios Battle of Los Angeles yeah. Wrestle Kingdom uh, Royal Rumble was my favourite WWE page I've been to Mania before and I'm, apparently I'll be there next year um, <laughs> um, uh, but um, um, Royal Rumble was my favourite WWE pay-per-view um, and I think I think I'd like to go to WXW 16 Carat as well um, so they're my me, me, me big ones that on me to-do list to, to do um, I mean how did the, the Shikara stuff sort of come about in the first place 2011 mm-hmm. when Fogel, like, yeah 2011 Fogel, like I said about that time when like David was helping us so we were getting yeah. a lot more uh, global recognition we had uh Someone asked, I think a promoter asked us if we'd like to have Colt Cabana on a show. Mm. We're like, okay, let's get Colt Cabana on a show. Yeah. Everyone knows who Colt Cabana is. Yeah. Let's get him involved. And he's, he's not just a Colt's a good wrestler as well. Colt's got his podcast. Because yeah. Colt was on our first show. And oh, we did a live recording of his podcast the day before, which really helped our ticket sales. Brilliant. This is exactly why. So his podcast was very, very new then. Mm. I'm pretty sure he was in its infancy, so to speak. So we were like, okay. Cole Cabana. Well, well, we'll do that. I'll wrestle Cole Cabana. That'll be fantastic. Cheers. And then, I can't remember how it actually went round, came around, but I'm sure it's probably something to do with um, UKFF or something like that. Yeah. Someone mentioned Mike Quackenbush. Mm. And we were like, hmm, I wonder how long it's been since Mike Quackenbush came to the UK. Oh, forever. Yeah. And so we, super into his British wrestling as well. Yeah, it? so we got in touch with him, uh, had a little bit of a chat, started some dialogue. Okay, this looks good. Look, can you work out something? Yeah, training seminars, blah, 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 blah. And you can come in and do it uh, and tag up with MK because he was very interested in MK when MK was coming through at that point, uh, using him for Young Lions Cup over mm-hmm. there. It's like, yeah, come on over and do this thing. Amazing. And like, bam. That still might be, weirdly enough, the biggest show we've ever done. Mm. Crowd wise, yeah, because about five weeks before the show, CM Punk did the pipe bomb promo, yeah, and was like, Hi, Cole Cabana, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and we were like, Oh, god, <laughs> everyone in the world knows who Cole Cabana is now. And for and true to true to you know, true to form, the venue that we used to run, the Planet Nightclub, was. Hammer packed, hmm. like you, it was. There was like three hundred people in, in a one hundred and twenty person room. Nice, yeah, it was horrendous. <laughs> These dogs being like Swedish. <laughs> um, so where were we? What were we saying? Um, so the relationship with Shikara. So yeah, so the Shikara thing was obviously born from there. Um, we got on really fondly with him. Uh, he MK went over and did King of Trio, uh, Young Lions Cup. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I, you know, we we all went over with him. There was a ridiculous hurricane, which means the day the the three day show had to be put into one. Oh God! I seem to remember this. I think, yeah, yeah, I remember reading about this. About this horrific hurricane of just devastation, and I remember, I remember. Drove... There's no, there's no question of cancelling the show. Oh no, we are independent wrestling. We're not we're, we're, okay, there's three days of a hurricane. Let's just have everyone out in the hurricane for one day. Yeah, that'll that'll be. Uh, Hopefully, that'll be the eye of the hurricane. Yeah, that'll be, yeah, that'll be less risky. So they did like 14 matches in like one day. That's it was, and you know, so much respect to the fans for that. But there was some cracking stuff on there. Um, Cesaro was on there, Castagnoli, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. Young Bucks were on there. There was some really good stuff on there. It was really interesting. There's a actually. lot of people I saw for the first time in Chicago. First time I ever, I ever really saw much of Kota Ibushi was through Chicago. Yeah, um, Hero. Yeah, it, there's just tons and tons of, yeah. of great stuff. Be- becoming aware of the work of people like Sarah Del Rey. Yeah, was from Chicago. You know, and it and it's it's a, it's a smashing little company, and uh, with us doing progress doing our shows with WWN Live in uh, Orlando, that means that I think one of our shows is directly before a Shikara show, so I can go and watch Shikara there. Here's a little quack and bush story for you. A couple of years ago, uh, and this is before progress, mm-hmm. um, I decided um, to write a book about wrestling what I wanted to do was follow go, basically go to America with my dad who doesn't like wrestling at all mm-hmm. travel across America go into certain places that are important in the history of wrestling so go to Philadelphia and all this sort yeah. of stuff and um, and I contacted Mike Quackenbush and went look I'm a comedian I'm a writer I want to write this book where me and my dad and we were going to culminate in Wrestlemania I think Wrestlemania was in Arizona that year we were going to culminate in, at Wrestlemania and I messaged him and went, could I, uh, you know, would it be possible to maybe come and interview you if Shikara got a show around that time, especially if it's an ECW arena, that would be really smart. Yeah. And straight away came back to me and went, not a problem, if you're coming over, I'll sort you out, you, come, you and your dad can come and stay with me. It's like, I've never met you. Um, and it was just, and knowing how much he's into British wrestling, like watching one of the King of Trios where Johnny Saints in it, yeah. is just the Wasn't best. It, I, think, I can't remember the exact trio, it might have been Danielson Saint. It was Danielson Saints and Dave Taylor. And Dave Taylor. And you're like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm on my name. It's just, just a mortgage plan. You just watched it going, that is the best. That yeah. is literally Incredible. the best. Um, <clears throat> there's, there's one... We got some questions which I'll ask you from, from listeners yeah. um, in a sec because I'm sure we'll go off on lots of tangents with those. There's one little thing I want to talk to you about and it's, it's people appreciating the little things in wrestling, the little things that makes a character. Yeah. Now I think there's, there's a great example of this with you is how you roll into a ring yeah. is brilliant. Um, and it's, uh, if, you've, if you've never seen Trent do this, uh, go on to demand-progress.com or anywhere else you can watch Trent wrestle um, and watch how he gets into a ring. It's beautiful. Shaking hands with people. Beautiful. Like these are li- but these are little things. And you've obviously made a conscious decision to do those as a character to set you... Because not anyone can wrestle, but, but once you get to a certain level of experience in wrestling, anyone can do the Indian do the stuff. Moves. You, you yeah. can do moves. Yeah. It's the other stuff that sets you apart. Yeah. And I think the, with you having a bit of life experience is one of the reasons that you come across as a personable character. And you can be a heel, and you can be a babyface with equal ability. But the way that I remember the, the first time you wrestled at the ballroom, just the way you rolled into the ring, and everyone just went, "Yeah, that's brilliant!" <laughs> like you got a pop, you rolling in slowly, rolling into the ring, yeah. 
got a massive pop. Now that is, I mean, when did you just do that by accident one day and it worked, or did you did you consciously make the decision to do it? If I try and think back to where even the the smidgen of the idea came from, <clears throat> Tajiri mm. used to do a thing where he was in the ring and he used to just drop to his knees straight on and then roll out like a pencil, like yeah. a pencil roll out. Most think that's so fun. I'm going to probably do that at some point in my life. And then uh, what happened was the, the, the handshake things honestly just comes from gratitude. Yeah. I just think like, you know, every single person who's bought, paid the most amount of money for the ticket, fair play to Yeah. And that's where that came from. And it was just an, an engaging thing of like, I'll get you in. And then at some point there's going to be a guy with a beard or a moustache and I'm going to give him some props for having a quality yeah. beard and quality facial hair. Um, so that's something I always like to do. The roll into the ring came from, it was Tajiri-esque, hmm. but originally for the whole moustache mountain thing, I'd had this ridiculous idea in my head of coming out with, you know those little pouches that the rock climbers have on their back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chalking. So I was going to come out with that, right? <laughs> and I'd be like, boof, boof, you know, give it the whole like LeBron James type thing. Yeah. And then climb up the wrong <laughs> ring post. Like, using like, from the floor, but like, like I'd be like two foot off the ground or whatever with my hand on like the middle, you know, straining screw and be like, <laughs> get some extra chalk. Like, wiggle it back. Like, and that was my thing. I was going to climb this little, you know, I was going to be this mountaineer guy from Mustache Mountain. I would climb that and then be like, yeah. And I still think to this day, that would be really cool. However, I went for the roll one and that yeah. seems to get a great reaction. So maybe one day I'll switch it to yeah. doing the mountain. I mean, you can't do it with us until it's obviously you're, you're a meaning. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, South of the M25. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible. Um, I'm going to ask you a few little general quickfire questions before we get to the listener-based listener ones. Because there's some good listener questions. When I don't do the meets ones, I normally... Um, because people were so excited about you being on, because obviously you'd done a roundtable thing before, which, yeah. was, um, which was weirdly the first time I'd met you. Yes, I wasn't it? Yeah, phys- yeah physically. physically. First time we've physically met, which, which is what made it even more amazing, is you came in and it was like... You just you sit in the studio. Was like, was like he's been mates with us forever, which again comes across from you being a personable human being. So just um, yeah, a few general questions which people always want to know the answers to. Um, your personal favourite wrestler of all time. It's really hard because it puts people on the spot. I've got to say, Savage. It's, it's perfect. Exactly. Savage or Flair? They're both right up there. Yeah. Um, I always lean more towards Savage than Flair. Sometimes maybe it's because unfortunately he's not here anymore. Yeah, maybe that's what kind of turned it. Possibly, it's like you know, knowing that you're never going to get the chance to meet him. Um, a any wrestler in the world you are desperate to wrestle who you haven't wrestled yet. <sighs> that's an extensive list. <laughs> you can name going to be a lot of people that I speak to. You can name. going to be really sad. Um, I've got to say, Chris Hero. Oh, that'd be good. How on earth we've never wrestled, I don't know, but we've never wrestled. That'd be good. He's a smashing fella, isn't he? Yes, he's a lovely bloke. One of the my favourite people I've ever spent a car journey with. Just literally, just and and let's be honest. I mean, the, he's had four matches for Progress. That are four of my favourite matches in our company's history. <laughs> yeah. They are unbelievable. He's got, a pretty, he's got a pretty good industry standard going on. Yeah, his um, 
<laughs> but my wife, for example, my wife hates forearms and elbows in wrestling. She's like, I don't get why you wouldn't just punch people. And I'm like, because if people are punching people, it hurts. Yeah. And and she's like, I don't, she said, I don't like. She doesn't like the the stereotypical strong style sort of forearm in battle thing. Yeah. Whereas I'm totally cool with it, and yeah. certain fans really pop for it, so hands down. And she's and and but the one person she's happy to watch elbowing people and forearming people is Chris Hill. Uh, she's if, like, I'd watch him all day. If anyone's mastered the elbow, it's him. It, it is, it is amazing. It is, He's it is just a wonderful, wonderful wrestler. And that would be good though. You against him, yeah, I'd like it. Oh, that would be good. Mm. Um, your um, your personal favourite match that you've been in, um, one immediately leaps to mind. Um, very quickly, like, once again, no offence to anyone. Just want to cover that out. No, uh, this is this My, such a nice bloke. Yeah. Like, I don't want to offend anyone. Yeah, I don't want to offend anyone. I, I do feel like I've got a nice back catalogue, and I'm so proud of so many matches that I've had. Um, versus Sam Callahan in 2000, and I think maybe 11. Mm-hmm. Project Mayhem one, night one, still holds up as one of the best matches I've ever had. Uh, Anything close? Anything more recently? Pete Dunn Saturday at Fight Club, bro. Just, yeah. just, just gone Saturday. Pete's when, great. Though, Project Mayhem Five. Yeah. No, Pulp Fiction. Brilliant. Don't even know the names of shows. But um, no, I mean Pete is fantastic, and yeah. it's it's quite. Well, I like the fact that I mean, obviously, you you two are Progress Tag Team champions. Um, but I love the fact that both of you it's really nice when all of a sudden people just all of a sudden it feels everyone's just getting loads of recognition mm. and it feels quite nice that's yeah. happening to you guys um, worst injury you've ever had uh, versus current universal WWE Universal Champion uh, Kevin Owens he gave me a half and half suplex and I took the bump wrong and ripped my medial knee ligament how long are you out for I wrestled the next month you're not meant to do that, dude. <laughs> no, no. I wrestled a tag match the next month with this massive hench knee brace. And basically, I couldn't bend my leg any further back than about 45 degrees yeah. off off straight. Like, any kind of jarring was the worst pain ever. So, luckily enough, I was working with some great wrestlers. I think I was working with Tommy, Dante, and Dave Mastiff. And... The match was already sorted. The match, you know, the show's already booked. So I was like, "I'll do it." There's a way. There's ways we can work around it. And I walked out absolutely unscathed. I mean, it's a testament. And to the then, I had about, then I had another six weeks, six weeks, eight weeks of, re- of just rest and rehabilitation, and it was fine. Oh, it's just. And then I also decided to lose a, some serious weight. Which how much? Because I've only known you as this. So how much weight did you lose? What was you, how, were you, how heavy were you your heaviest? On my 21st birthday, yeah. I was 21 stone. Fuck. Yeah. I like to think you were exactly the number of age. <laughs> All the way up. This is a big six-year-old. Um, but yeah. So, because I've, I've, I've lost weight from being around wrestlers. So, like, it's wrestlers getting in my head going, why don't you go to the gym? Like, literally... Because I'm this, roughly the same height as most wrestlers, mm. and and just having wrestlers constantly like people like Tommy End and Allegro and that going, you just go to the gym, and I did, and I listened. And if you watch, 
from Progress's first show, it was like a flip book of me gradually losing weight. Yeah. So being down, I'm not, I'm not underweight, despite what William Regal constantly bullies me about. <laughs> Someone get this guy a sandwich. <laughs> I am not, I'm not underweight. I am, I'm, I'm 12 and a half stone, which is what which a man is who's five foot ten should weigh. Yeah. Um, who's got literally no muscle whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but 21 stone. Yeah, 21 stone. Um, and then I kind of, then I moved to London and didn't have any money to buy any food. So Obviously. lost quite a lot of weight there. And then got good at my job, started earning more money, mm. so I bought more food. And then <laughs> got fat again. And then like, I, I, I kind of I stayed around, around, around about like the 18 stone mark. And then, like I said, I think I, think I was around about eight. Mm, yeah, I was probably about eight in stone when I fought uh, Kevin. And then that injury like landed on me. I was like... I've got to lose some more weight because yeah. you everything's just better like your rehabilitation is quicker your body fixes quicker yeah. you can waking up easier there's less impact on all your joints you know what I mean and all we do is jump about like idiots all weekend Yeah. so you know on Mondays you don't want to spend the entire day in bed no stiff I'm, as a board is it, is it one of those because like for me I'm obsessed about I'm obsessed about getting fat again because, like, I'm from quite a big family, you know, and and I, it's always in the back of my head that genetically, that's probably what I'm meant to be. Mm. Um, and I'm like, I've got quite broad shoulders because it's almost like my body wants to be fat. <laughs> <laughs> We've got this frame, Phil. Yeah, it's Fill like, it. and I, 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 I don't want to be. And so I've always got that in the back of my head. So I've always got that that driving factor. But you know, you said you lost the weight and then you kind of put it back on again. You ever have you sort of like reached a point in your life now where you're like, I know. I know not to... Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. it's like... Like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I, haven't, I don't think I've got a very particularly addictive personality. Hmm. But, like, when I do something, I kind of like to do it. Yeah. Like, I like to do it properly. And eating is one of those things I like to do yeah. properly. Eating's I, I absolutely... I just love food. I love condiments. I love... <laughs> I love everything that comes with a meal. I love condiments. I hate waste. Yeah. I, I have got a big thing about waste. So that I'll just eat everyone else's as well. Um, but I hate, I hate it. I hate, I hate waste. I love food, like different tastes and flavors and sauces and condiments and. Mm, I just I love food, so it's frightening. That do you find after so say because this weekend you had three Fight Club Pro shows. You had yeah. two in Wolverhampton and one in Manchester. Manchester, yeah. And I really wanted to come to the Manchester one, but unfortunately I had to write a load of new material because I had a gig in Manchester on on the, the Sunday night. Um, do you find after a weekend like that you can reward yourself because like a great example before um, before he, he signed with the WWE's Performance Centre Mr Tommy End would often I'd often give him a, either him or him and Dante lift to Luton Airport on my way home after a progress show yeah. and we would always go to Burger King at London Gateway Services where Tommy who is like a almost like a trained nutritionist in yeah. terms of telling you what to eat, what not to eat. He's like, the dude's giving me loads of nutrition yeah. advice. Um, and, but he would literally order everything on the menu and sit and eat all of it mm. and then go and get, he, he loves flapjacks. Mm. And then he'd go and buy a couple of flapjacks and I know he'd sit in his hotel room like drinking Monster and eating flapjacks, watching films. Like that was, that was how he rewarded himself. So after this weekend... <laughs> In Manchester, so they the finished the show in Manchester on Sunday, and obviously you worked hard all weekend, not just one day, three days in a row. Yeah. Did you reward yourself with something particularly evil 
Yes, so I, yes what I did. What did you have? I had an evil burger from that barbecue. Red's. Red's barbecue. Yeah. Uh, this, I had the pit burger. Oh, I didn't make it's great, did it? <laughs> I tell you what, I, arguably, if they came out with the fries and just the onion ring they give you, yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's a decent meal. Yeah. <laughs> the onion ring is huge. It's like two, two and a half inches high. Yeah. And then, oh, incredible. Uh, so I had, yeah, I had the pit burger with some dirty fries or whatever they call it. It is dead. But I mean, really? are, you, are you pretty sensible during the week, though? Yeah, I, 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 I don't eat a, a great deal of, you know, like stock carbs. Like yeah. I, don't eat, I don't eat bread. Yeah. I don't eat chips or potatoes. And I try not to eat as much white pasta. Um, well, there was a, um, when, when I did the sit-down chat with William Regal, I was in his hotel room in Manchester. And he has a paleo diet, which I know a lot of the wrestlers do. So, which is no carbs, pretty much. Yeah. And it's all just how a caveman would eat. Yeah. And he eats a lot of things like almonds and stuff just to... But he doesn't... It's very rare he eats a meal. Yeah. Right? And on the Saturday um, before the Progress show, I kind of looked after him. He came to watch me do stand-up and I had to find somewhere where he could eat stuff, which was he's gluten-free and all that. It's yeah. difficult. But he... Um, <laughs> when we finished the Progress show, um, we sat and had kebabs from the woody grill around the corner in Camden which is amazing so we had like you know like lean lamb and chicken shish kebabs yeah, yeah. sat and ate those and I had some fries with mine because I'm not a wrestler um, and and he did this thing which is quite nice he went can I have one of your chips and I went of course you can mate and he went just one I'm not allowed any more than one and he ate it and he, pro- and he, he finished it and went I enjoyed that delicious <laughs> it's like the old story about the ultimate warrior who loved cookies but wouldn't eat them so he'd send someone out and get like freshly baked cookies and then he'd just smell them and then just throw them away but uh, that's so bizarre we were actually, as I was talking talking about that someone mentioned that they saw a woman who was dieting on a plane and uh, they brought the ice cream over and they went oh there's the chocolate ice cream for you she's like oh no I'm on a diet he goes, oh, okay, sorry about that. And he went to take it away. The server went to take it away. And she went, oh no, wait a second. Pulled it back, opened it, and just sniffed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take it away. <laughs> it is bizarre, but no, it, it, it's. I think that's the thing that people people often don't see the the inside of a, a wrestler's life, which is because I I know a lot of you guys, and like you see people's Facebook feeds and stuff like that. You know how much. I remember once reading um, Bubblegum's diet that he, like. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Because he's in great nick. Yeah, yeah. And, but how he has to eat to be like that is almost torture to me. Yeah. Like, and people don't see that side of how much effort you have to do going to the gym. There's plenty of people who aren't wrestlers who go to the gym two, three times a week. But it's not the same as being a wrestler and the amount of effort that wrestlers have to go go to, as well as actually wrestling. Yeah. And I think that's the side of it that, that sometimes people don't necessarily appreciate. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll be brutally honest with you, there's some days where I, I, I just won't go. Just, yeah. I'm just sore from a weekend, so like, Monday, today I haven't been yet, but I'm going later tonight. But also as well, your, your, your body type is different in that you are, like, you look to me like a Japanese wrestler. Yeah. So, whilst there's plenty of people who are absolutely ripped and shredded to fuck, and look like MMA guys because that's yeah. that's the look they've chosen to go with. With you, it kind of you know we know that you go to the gym, but at the same time, you've got more of the the Japanese powerhouse look to you. Like yeah, like, I've ne- I mean, when I started really, really like cutting down my stuff, like a, a year or two, about two years ago. And really started getting into the gym, and, mm. and and like you say, like talking to people like Tommy End about macros and all this crazy yeah. world of stuff that you don't know about. Um, as much as it's you know the basics of it is very simple, there is some really complex stuff to it, and it's a hard science. Yeah, and it, it is a weird science, you know, and, and and it can kind of like you can trick yourself into stuff as well, which is a bit you know, which is always the. The one thing you're like, oh god, no! I've put on a pound. It was because I had two bananas instead of one. Yeah. And you're like, you can get a little bit obsessed with it, and I think I got a little bit obsessed, but not to the point where it offended me. But I'm not super, super tight on what I eat. Like, I'll have a little bit of chocolate if I want a little bit of chocolate. Yeah. Or if if I want to eat naughty, I'll have a kebab. I'll have a chicken kebab. But I'll just have it on salad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm getting the the good with the bad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and as far as body type goes, I. I I look, oh, you know, you look through Instagram and it's like Gymshark or whatever it is, and it's jacked geezer and jacked. And you're like, oh man, like, mm. that guy looks pretty good. Oh man, imagine if I look like that. Now I'm kind of like, like if I look like that, would I be getting the response from the crowd? Yeah, and from the promoters that I'm getting at the minute. Is it because I look a little bit different? Is it because I got a little bit of podge? You know, is it because I'm a bit thicker than everyone else? Maybe that's the reason why I've got an appeal. And I'm not saying, don't worry guys, I'm just going to put loads of weight on this bit. <laughs> I'll be the fat wrestler and everyone can like me. No. You know, you still got to look out for yourself. But. But, but I think as well, you you look like you'd hurt someone. Do you know what I mean? Like, whilst you can be as, as ripped as possible, if you don't have something about your personality... So Bubblegum's a great example of this. Bubblegum looks like he's a little, he's a little evil dude. Yeah, terrible. So... So it's perfectly him being as ripped as he is 
completely works with his persona mm. because he's he just he's meant to be nasty and it, it fits with him. But it's all that's partly down to how he looks and the fact that his look is intimidating, but also down to the fact his facials are great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas with you, it's like you look like you'd hurt someone because you're a big bearded dude. Do you know, and that's what, it's the same with Chris Hero. Chris Hero yeah. looks like he'd fucking fill you in. And that's yeah. what you want. That's, yeah. you, you know, a big part of wrestling is, is for me, is believability. Yeah. And if, if someone looks like they'd hurt you, brilliant. I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine putting anyone in a position of, of, uh, of importance on a progress show who wouldn't look like they'd fucking kill someone. Yeah. And that's, like, everyone who we book looks like in whatever in whatever way they do it looks like they kill someone yeah, Jimmy yeah. Havoc's a great example of this Jimmy's yeah. not the biggest dude but he's a believable psychopath yeah he's arguably the scariest looking bloke on the roster yeah so uh, despite being one of the skinniest members yeah. of the roster he's genuinely terrifying and that is and that's the believability that he brings to it so you know yeah. whilst it's it's brilliant that you've lost you've lost weight and stuff like that yes yeah. you know I, I, I think it's it's going to be down to your personality and your talent that's getting you booked. You know, I think the days of people being booked because they look great are yeah. long gone. You know, yeah, because uh, I mean, you look popular culture and well, let's just take the WWE. Like, yeah. look at you know, and this is no offense to Kevin Owens because like, he's he's the best in the world. Like, yeah, he's tremendous right now. He's the best wrestler on the planet, yeah. and it doesn't matter what he looks like, right? But I don't think Kevin Steen in a pair of black pants with an eight pack is going to be the same Kevin Steen as he is now. No. Well, I, I always use I always use Kevin Owens as, as an example for my non wrestling liking wife. Absolutely adores him. Yeah. And and the reason is is because she's like she when she's watching it she's like the initial time she saw him was like what's he doing here? Yeah. And it made him stand what, out. What, yeah, exactly. Like I I look at him as like. Arguably the exact character that he is, like everyone knows he's a dad, mm. right? So everyone's always got that vision of like you know when you're at school and you're like my dad's harder than your dad. Yeah. Like if Kevin Steen turns up, if Kevin Owens turns up to school to pick up his kid, like he's quite a tall guy. He's, he's, he's you know around about the six foot mark, maybe a little bit bigger. You always and think he's smaller because of WWE. Yeah, job, and he it? is. He's thick. He's mm. a thick guy. He's heavy. He's big. He's carrying some weight. Like you'd imagine him to be the guy at the kids' party who's sorting the barbecue out. He's <laughs> going, huh? What? Shh. I got this. Boom. Shh. Everyone, like you know, with the. And I just think, like, when people see that kind of character on television fighting, mm. there's so much believability to it because, yeah, those guys have fights. Yeah. Like, there's guys in bars who look like that that have fights. There's dads that will fight or like. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing. And people just invest it. They're like, yeah, I can believe that this guy would fight this guy. Yeah. I think it's it's a great testament to, if you look at everyone who's doing stuff in WWE at the minute, everyone looks, there's no one who looks ridiculously out of place in terms of like ridiculous muscle men or anything like mm-hmm. that. Everyone looks like they're genuinely quite tough. And, and even someone like Roman Reigns, who is a big dude, but like, I'm from Leicester, and I used to um, I used to teach um, in a school, and the school I taught in had uh, members of the Tuolagi family who played played rugby. Oh yeah, so they're big Samoan dudes. To me, he just looks like one one of them. Yeah, because because they were they're just naturally massive dudes. Yeah, there's no there's no Carlies. like Kane is just Kane to us now. Yeah. 
Like, you know, if Kane comes out at a live show, that's why he does every single house show. Yeah. Because when a kid sees Kane, that's the that's the tallest person they've ever seen in their lives. You see, I'm always astonished. Like, the first time I met Mick Foley and the first time I met William Regal, um, they're both roughly the same height, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and both times I was like, they're giants. Yeah. But when you watch your telly, you're like, no, they're not. And it's just because, like, 6'3", is, yeah. is, is, is compared to guys who are... Who are seven foot tall. What's nice now is obviously how many guys who are shorter than me are yeah. making it in WWE. Five eight, five you know, and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm by no means a tall dude. Um, let's get to some of our cool, some of our listener questions. Um, some of them are repeated, so if they're repeated, I will go with the first example of them. Right before we get to the questions, you you told me something. Now we're going to be really vague about this. Yeah, we'll be vague. Um, so we're not going to name anything. Um, I think I can I can say that you're in a film. I yes. think that's vague enough. Yes. Because um, you told me you told me something that was because you were super excited, like yeah. a child telling me this on yeah. the balcony of the Ritz <laughs> in Manchester. Yeah. Um, you have accidentally ended up in a film. Yes. Completely by accident. Completely by chance. <laughs> As a cast actor. And this happened because someone saw your picture on a wrestling poster. Yep. So next time you see a wrestling poster in a chip shop, yeah, <laughs> that is <laughs> bad and a prey. So two weeks ago, the the whirlwind of of, of con- gets this guy getting in contact with me, and then me replying, um, and it actually coming to fruition, and I ended up on set filming a Hollywood blockbuster. <laughs> And we can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you what just it is. Being, we might be able to, but at the minute we're not. Yeah. Tell and like, don't let me, I'm not going to stand here over egging the pudding. I'm not like, I haven't got that like proper full line. He's not Batman. Script. Yeah, I'm not Batman. <laughs> it's not a Batman film. Um, but yeah, we shouted some stuff. We did some close-ups. We did some acting. Like, we did some like choreographed, like competitive scenes. It's, Can I say that? Did, was your wrestling experience important in this? Uh, because yeah. you, because wrestlers well, are not a, a million miles away from stuntmen. Perfect little story we can use to to to, uh, to fill this in. So we get there on the Tuesday, and it's fight choreography time. So we've got to practice these fight scenes, swords and shields. Yeah, not to, to give too much away. So the kid comes, up, the, the guy comes up to me. There's a crash mat in a field. So there's a field, loads of crash mats. Yep. Like, and we're just we've got like rubber swords and stuff. So I'm like, how you doing, mate? You're like, yeah, yeah Sam, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I told him a little bit, I'm pro wrestler, and then, you know, what about you? This kid is just super stunt, coolest guy in the world. Yeah. Been in, like, the, the last, he'd been a stormtrooper in the last three <gasps> Star Wars films. So cool. So I'm just like, oh, God, you're incredible. <laughs> and he goes, um, so yeah, anyway, this pro wrestling thing, so, like, as in, like, you know, like, John Cena, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin type stuff, I'm like, yeah. He goes, so let me just get this straight. Your job is to choreograph fight scenes. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, that's basically what we do." <clears throat> and he goes, "Like, how long do you like? How long do you do?" And I'm like, "I don't know how in depth you want to go, but like, not arguably, you turn up to a show, you got about an hour, then you go out there, and for some reason, you manage to do twenty, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty minutes." Have choreographed physical theatre with someone that you've never met before, and you're just gonna like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me that reverse runner off the top. That's cool. <laughs> um, so 
so like yeah so he just this kid just got it he was like so you just choreograph fight scenes I'm like yeah how long do you get about an hour he's like right when the geezer comes round let's just make something up okay cool so me and him just like had a cigarette and just spoke about stuff (laughs) so Star Wars how cool was it and then the guy comes round and he goes "Uh, guys have you got anything planned you've got anything sorted we haven't done anything Mm. and he's like yeah 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 I'll hit you like literally he's like calling it out there he's like I'm going to hit you on the back then just turn around and do some stuff I'm like yeah I've got this brother oh my god so I'm I'm pretending to stab this kid on the floor hits him in the back I turn around big facial wallop hit him with the thing wank wank kick him down the guy's like oh my god that's amazing well done good choreography guys Yeah, we didn't do anything. We just made it up on the spot. See, I've, you've, I know what this is, and we're not going to talk, say what it actually is, but it's, it's properly exciting. It's yes. something that came by accident. Just, it, did you, I saw you on a poster, and uh, I showed you to the director, and the director thinks you fit the bill perfectly for this role. Come on in. I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'll do that now. And it's, yeah, it's... It's Pretty properly cool. nuts, and um, when Trent can tell you about it, I'm sure he will. But it is, it is amazing. I've seen pictures of it, and it's yeah. literally one of the coolest things uh, anyone I know has ever got to do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, right, questions. Go. Um, Dave Higgins, what happened to Trent's one to six? This has happened a lot as terms of questions go. Um, <laughs> Classic questions. Um, <laughs> Have you been asked that? Before? I haven't been asked this question before. <laughs> um, what I'll there, there, I mean, like I said, we we did explain at the start. Unfortunately, there is no one, two, three, four, five, or six. I am just Trent Seven. There is only one. But you know, maybe in some kind of f- fantastical world of Shikara, we might bring something to light. Do that. Have you ever seen those street performers where there's a bloke in the middle and then they've got like like yeah. metal arms? And the, there was an episode. Of, I'm sure, there's an episode of Family Guy, The Simpsons, where there's a Michael Jackson impersonator yeah. with like all the Jackson Five. Um, and he's uh, holding, yeah, yeah. holding their arms and moving so each when they the move. Thing, yeah. Surely someone can. Or some kind of Russian doll yeah. situation. Oh, like we can go out. Of, like, that'd be amazing. Yeah, like Dink and Doink and Pink and Flink. Um, one of one of uh, the um, uh, the uh, progress ring crew, Oishin, uh, um, said, um, "If you could fight any animal, what finishing move would you use and why?" <laughs> That's like two questions in yeah. one. What I'm animal, pick an animal first. I mean, you're gonna. Pick, I mean, either you pick an animal to make you look like you're badass for beating it, or you pick an animal you're easily gonna pick a vole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Done. What, what animal would look coolest taking a spinning pile driver? Uh, a panda. Something with really long legs. You reckon? Yeah. It's like I could hold it, but the legs would be like woo. That kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, that and panda good. would be incredible. Because they're quite squidgy. Yeah, it's got a good, <laughs> got a good, good, good. Just to let everyone know, <laughs> there were no animals were harmed in no this. No animals were harmed. Uh, in but pandas aren't endangered anymore. Oh. That was on the news the other week. So you know, That's I mean, cool. and also it would mean a different WWF themed T-shirt instead of pandas hitting each other with chairs. Just, just a picture of a... Trent Seven spinning pile driver on a panda. Uh, yeah, let's go with. Uh, I, I think it'd be really cool to wrestle a bear. <laughs> in a Mate, you went, you, went in, you went in 1970s yeah. NWA, were you? Uh, with like a Tracy Smithers thing, and then... Uh, <laughs> I think be, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I'd like to choke slam a giraffe. <laughs> Let's just go with it. 
Chokeslam on a giraffe. Chokeslam on a giraffe. Garant Lewis, um, where exactly is Mustache Mountain and what did you find at its peak? Uh, a lovely log cabin, yep. uninhabited, where me and Tyler decided to set up camp. Excellent. Um, it has an open fire and a lovely mantelpiece. <laughs> River-based question. Okay. Uh, from uh, Roger Naylor. Um, what significance do the Trent and Seven Rivers have for you? Um, or was it simply Thames Air sounded wrong? Um, <laughs> good. Good work. Good. I like, I like what you're doing with that. Because um, I'm from the Midlands as well. Yeah. Like, Seven Trent is a big part of my life yeah. because it's what all the water is in yeah. the Midlands. Um, but I suppose you never, you mentioned this before, you never even thought about them, did you? No, it was, it was it, the, the name came around through like trying to find a cool indie name. Mm. And then, like, my, my, my favourite, my lucky number is seven. Simply yeah. because all my favourite like footballers when I was a kid were number seven, like Cantona, Letizia, like all these like super. This is a, this is amazing. Yeah, they were savage. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, like, all the less yeah, number seven. That was the only one that popped. Yeah, there was just some like really cool like number seven. So like. I used to have a little thing about that. Like Canton, I was just and Letizia were just the no, two the greatest footballers of all yeah, time, like the kings. Um, I think Dalglish as well. That was very early. Mm. Um, so yeah, so th- then it came through that, and then when I realised, obviously Trent Seven was very similar to Seven Trent Backers, I was like pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the a funny story about water and how obviously you know every <laughs> corner in our you know, around this area, every corner there's a seven trend. Yeah, man. So it's really, really funny. Like, I've got loads of people sending pictures when they're down here. I literally never thought about it until really until cool. I until we planned this. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, that's oh, I've forgotten about it. <laughs> so I get loads of people learning that they like tweet me like a picture of a van and stuff like that. But a funny story about um, water is when I first moved out of my house at like eight, at my mum's at like eighteen, nineteen, and went to live in Leicester. Mm. Um, I remember getting a bill through opening it up on a Sunday morning uh, and going, what's that? Phoned up. Mum? Yeah? I've got a bill here for water. Is that a joke? <laughs> She's like, what do you mean? Is it a joke? I said, is it a joke? Like, you did have to pay it, do you? She said, yeah, you got to pay for water. I was like, no, you don't. It, that's tap. Like, you don't pay for you don't pay for tap water. I've not had a lorry of every album come yeah, to my like, house. Like, I'm not... You just open the tap and it comes out. She's like, yeah, yeah, and you have to pay per year for that service. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's, I love this it. grown-up rubbish. I love it the first time you ever see, like, my first, like, proper job when I was working in fashion. Like, I remember, like, nearly everyone who starts working, they come straight out of university and yeah. they've had a proper job before and never had to pay tax. And you see people getting their pay slip and the fact it's tax deductible for it. Every time I'm like, for fuck's sake! Man, but it, uh, no, this is wrong. Twenty percent of your money. This is wrong. We did thirty-two hours last week. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're paying tax now. Oh. Um, uh, this is from uh, Traff, and the first person to ask this question, but it will come up again. Um, what shampoo and conditioner do you use? Because you have got lovely hair. There's oh a separate beard God. question coming up in a bit. This is just the hair care. He's gone to look. He's genuinely gone to his bathroom to look. He's. he's I, I don't. I don't think the shampoo that I use, <laughs> and not on a massively regular basis, is actually Johnson's baby shampoo. 
Nice. Use that myself last night, but I've got no air. And when conditioning the beard, I just use a stock standard conditioner. Nice. Nothing, nothing super special. Uh, you see, I wasn't expecting you to be the sort of person who just like makes sure they half stuff or anything like that. Because I, I get in trouble for that. Yeah, you, you've got to, you've got you've got to have a certain supply of your own. Yeah, because it's always going to end up in tears if you use the last bit. Although not if you use baby shampoo. There's but no more tears. Exactly. No more tears. <laughs> Literally. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. That's, that is a proper mic drop moment. Yeah. Um, Chris Wilson has two questions. Um, first Good. question. How did the Fight Club Pro Shikara relationship come to be despite vastly different products? Because obviously Fight Club Pro quite adult. Shikara is definitely family friendly. You yep. get in trouble if you swear on their shows, don't you? So um, how did it come about? Um, look, we, we touched on the whole Mark mm. and Bush thing um, earlier. I think he just needed... Uh, I think we just work well as, as humans mm. more than anything. Mm. We just seem to get on very well with Mike and the team at Shikara. Um <clears throat> and you know we have the platform in wrestling to be able to do whatever we want so yeah. if you want to swear swear if you don't want to swear don't swear if you want to do certain things do certain things so within the arena that we you know promote certain styles of matches we wouldn't you know you just don't use the association of Shikara and then you can always just just merge the two together and you just, you just keep it clean don't you but it's good experience as well it's, it's great experience I, I say this to comedians the fact that I just loads of comics guy I won't be able to do kids gigs like you do I'm like why not so strings swear, you yeah. what happens if you ask to do television and you can't swear yeah like, why wouldn't you learn to, why wouldn't you learn to do that yeah so. I love doing the pro, I love doing promos for Shikara they're so outlandish and ridiculous but you're allowed to be a bit daft exactly like, like like Shikara, do you remember fun Shikara's that. relaunch when they started leaving like little clues around Philadelphia and yeah. stuff that stuff's amazing it's brilliant the depth of, I mean Proper creativity. He's a, he is a genius. Yeah. It's, it's proper creativity and, and taking people out of the, the normal reality of wrestling. I think it's to be applauded. Yeah. Um, Chris's second question is, how are you finding life doing the graps full-time? Now, obviously, we mentioned that you're full-time. Is there... Do you have... Do you have, like, the odd week where you're like, I'm a bit quiet this week. It's a bit... You know, oh, things yeah. are a bit tight and stuff like that, which is yeah. things that people don't think. I, I have, I have weeks where I'm. Yeah, which is like, like, I might only be doing one gig in that that week. Yeah, I've, I've, you know, when I'm, you know, managing call centres and stuff like that, and earning decent money. I've still had times where I've looked at my watch and it's like the twenty second of the month. I'm like, okay, now I've got to divide how much I've got by how many days I'm alive yeah. for the rest of this month. And you're like, oh, okay, I've got seven pounds a day to mm. spend. And you're like, what? So, like, knowing that and, like, living the way I've lived, you know, running around the country and going to all these places and, I mean, another thing as well is I've worked purely on commission mm. when I was doing sales jobs, so there was no basic salary. Like, yeah. If you wanted something, you had to go out there and sell more. Yeah. So, I think that, that kind of lifestyle and, you know, being able to live on whatever, you know, being able to live on sometimes 70 quid a week. Yeah. When I first moved to London... Like, after paying my rent, I remember for the first good three or four weeks, I'd have, like, 60 quid. Yeah. And then you got to buy your train, you got to buy your, your car, your pa- uh, underground pass. There's yeah. no oysters then, so you had to buy, like, a day thing. And we would just work out the most incredible ways to get it. So we would get, like, the child ticket instead of the normal <laughs> ticket. Because we, like, set up a little... We were like, look, mate, you know, with the guy in the shop below... Can you just sell us the kids' tickets? Like we won't tell anyone. He's like, oh man, that's bad. Yeah. You can't use the kids' tickets. We're like, no, we can because you just get on the bus and you just keep your finger yeah. over the bit where it says child, but it still works on the underground. Yeah, and there's 
you know, I'll, I'll happily admit it, like tailgating people on the underground. Like I was broke. Fuck it, hell, man. It's, but yeah, you, but I think as well because you're full time. Like when I became full time comic, I was in my thirties. Yeah, and it meant I was a little bit more sensible. Yeah, and I think there is that you know now not to live beyond your means. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, Henry has added to the whole. I want to know if there's any specific beard care products that you use. Um, yes, I'm using at the moment by Wahl, W-A-H-L. Nice. It's called Sterling Beard Oil Refresh. And um, it was given to me as a present by uh, Glenn. Really? Yeah. Because he had to shave his beard off. Oh, of course he did, yeah. So technically it wasn't a present. Yeah, it's it just, was just it's a cast off. Uh, it was a cast off, <laughs> yeah. So he had to get rid of his beard for obviously the upcoming buddy situation, and uh, very kindly, Glenn, thank you, um, um, supplied this. So I thought, oh, I'll use that for a bit now. Um, someone with the Twitter handle Three Musketeers says, um, "If you made a British strong style cocktail, what would be in it?" Uh, it would be a strong Islander iced tea. Boom! Boom! Yeah, basically, a Long Island iced tea, but strong. But- Stronger, yeah. <laughs> well, that's my favourite cocktail. As well. Is it? Yeah. Um, Simply I... because three or four of them, and it's enough. You, you, you're not a notorious drinker, as far as I'm aware. I've been known to put it away, Jim. <laughs> I've been known to be able to stand up with the best of them. <laughs> if it's spirits, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I can, I can drink spirits all night. Yeah, I'm a good drinker. Um, Tom Riley says, uh, "Was my son Orion the most over five-year-old he has seen at a Fight Club Pro show?" Yes. What happened? So there's this kid. Let's put Orion over. <clears throat> okay. So I'll normally come out and do a little bit of a, you know, hi, is everyone okay? Couple yeah. of little house rules. We're just about to get started. Thanks ever so much for coming. Did yeah. I wanted to assess, as we were just talking about, what our target audience was yes. for the day. Are there any children here? Can I swear? Mm. Can I give the guys free reign to say whatever they want? Yeah. Or do we need to keep it to a certain level? Yeah. So I said, any kids in here? Which is a good thing to do, by the way. Yeah, so I said, any kids in here? And there's a yes. And I think I'd already cussed about four times. <laughs> not thinking that there's any kids. And I was like, oh, sorry about that. So I went over. We had a little bit of a chat. And I found out the kid's called Orion, which is like the coolest name for a kid it, ever. Presumably, um, Tom, your your uh, your son is named after the the constellation, yeah. rather than the nineteen eighties nineteen nineties Ford Escort with a boot on it. Wasn't that a lovely vehicle? Uh, my my mum had one of those. Well, um, a grey Orion, uh, or um, the video company that made RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, there was like a line about someone's like, going to correct me and say it was Canon that made Robocop instead, but it was one. Uh, but Orion, you still have to swear. Yeah, yeah. whichever one it is, Tom, let's know. Uh, um, but yeah, your son was uh, fantastic. He was obviously, you know, when you address a child like in a situation yeah. like that, and all eyes were on him, he's a little bit nervous at the start. But then by the end of the show, he was just like super into it. And we had a similar thing happen at a second or third progress show. There was a kid in the front row and uh, was there with his dad, who was a journalist who was, who was reviewing it, and. Um, and I told the story on stage just about how I got him to lie about his age repeatedly throughout that, and he, he grew into his role throughout the entire show. It was probably like puffing his chest out like a Shakespearean actor. It was beautiful. Um, what's next? Uh, uh, Jerry O'Hara. Yep. 
Does he get his athletic prowess, humility, and good looks from his uncle Jerry? Um, that's your uncle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, that is my actual uncle, uh, Jerry O'Hara. Um, was a picture of him when he played for Wolves. He was, yeah, former uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, winger in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, Did you ever go and watch him when he was playing? You probably no, were. You probably were around. I, I was literally born as he had to retire. It's a shame, isn't it? Because having an uncle playing professional oh. football, especially back when Molyneux was buzzing back. Then. Yeah, like I mean, he, he went he went down to like some of the lower leagues. I, I with know, with Wolves, I would imagine, because they did that yeah, thing yeah. where they went from top flight to the fourth division um, in four years. Yeah, like he went down to some, like some lower league football, but um, yeah, he had like some pretty bad injuries and stuff like that. So that, that kind of he did him. I think he went into a little bit of a, a stint in management. Amazing. Um, no, no comment on it. I don't, I don't know his uh, stats. <laughs> don't know his win loss record when he was uh, when he was managing. But um, yeah, and, I mean, he, he's still, he's still very involved as far as the football goes, and he's very uh, fully addicted to the the whole Twitter. It, uh, it is it is cool. Um, like like my dad's on Twitter. Yeah, and there'll be people listening to this who my dad follows on. My dad follows about three thousand people on Twitter. If anyone ever says anything nice to me, my dad follows them. Um, which is brilliant. My dad can't use Twitter apart from occasionally saying thank you to people for being nice to me. Yeah. It's like, mate, I normally do that. I will normally. I, I just I don't, don't follow a lot of people. Um, bless him. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, he's a decent looking bloke. Um, uh, Dan the Dazzler um, says, as he's a very stylish man, would it be possible to book him to take me shopping? Um, you should be a personal shopper. Oh, we dude. talked about this the other day. I think we did, yeah. Um, where... Because me and you have a shared interest in trainers. We do. So as a rule, if my phone is an alert and it says, Trent Seven has tagged you in a picture, I know it's going to be a pair of trainers. <laughs> yeah. um, and Because um, uh, you're like me. I mean, you, you like your shoes and all that sort of stuff. I love a pair of crepes. But, but also as well, um, we're two men in our 30s who still, I mean, you more than me, give a shit about clothes. Yeah. We've not, we've not fallen into, into any traps yet of just buying shit clothes. No, I, I mean... I, I, it was one thing I always said. I will. I will just never let myself just fall into that Blue Harbour Marks and Spencer's range. <laughs> I was going to say Fat Face. Nice. That's the one. I, that's, yeah, I'm like, face. oh no. Yeah, that whole Blue Harbour esque. Oh, this fleece is comfy though. Mm, said no one. Don't the, the buy only, fleeces. The only acceptable oh, thing my. you're allowed to buy from an outdoor shop. Is a really really warm North Face coat. Yeah, which is the only ex- the, the most expensive thing. But I've you will probably live in for the three four days of any festival you ever wear. Yeah, into. but um, but they're, they're incredible. Because yeah, I think really the phrase you used to me was, "I'm still holding on to my H and M dream." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got to keep going. Like you know, like you look at um, you look to me. The first time I met you, I thought you look like you work in All Saints. That's the first thing I thought I when I met you. I like my long line t-shirt. Like a long line t-shirt. You like a bit of monochrome. Yeah, I like a skin, I like a skinny jean. You don't. Hey, no, right. So I'm wearing Levi's that I bought the other day. These are these are the skinniest Levi's you can buy, which is not particularly skinny. Right. Yeah. For example, look, you, there is clear. You can. But clearly, it's a great fit, though. It is a good fit, it's a good and fit. it's the first time I've been able it's to not buy. Relaxed. It. It's not boot cut. Boot. If you're right, but never wear boot. Never wear boot cut jeans. <laughs> See, I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> But if you wear bootcut jeans, you're dead If you've got you. bootcut jeans, just go and buy a pair of slim fit. Not skinny. Slim fit. See how you feel. We need to, we need to open a shop. We should. <clears throat> we, should open, we should open a shop. Uh, I said this to you the other day. We should make 
You know, the, in Birmingham, is one of the original size stores is in Birmingham. Yeah, it's yeah, lovely. Yeah, it's a cracking little store. We should, we should open a shop. Let's do it. Let's just do that. Yeah. See you wrestling. No, we'll still do the wrestling. Um, yeah, we'll still do the wrestling as well. But um, I don't know, Dan. I mean, he might be available to, to be a personal shop. Um, but if, 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 I mean, I don't know where you're from, Dan, or how far we've got to travel for this, but, you know, if that's what you want and you want a new, you want a new wardrobe, I'll be more <laughs> than happy to assist you in uh, getting you a new wardrobe yeah. for the uh, autumn, winter oh, period. It's to be a pro. A demand progress special as you doing yeah. you being the equivalent of Trini and Suzanne yeah, let's do this. just you has got one just burning just people's wardrobes running, just running around Oxford Street <laughs> just, yeah, just burning burning boot fit jeans put that on put that on <laughs> um, melting this, down this is a question from um, some chap called Jimmy Havoc um, he says um, how do you learn your lines is this a reference to the secret conversation, the, the incognito conversation I think it is a reference uh, to the incognito conversation okay um like I said, as much as, you know, it is an exciting thing, I have no doubt that I'll be on the screen for three to four seconds <laughs> at the absolute most going, ah! Still more than Something like that, which is obviously super cool. But like, I don't know, it's kind of like when you're there, like, you know, if you've got a schedule that's only eight minutes, you always come back from that match going, oh God, I wish I had 15. Yeah. I wish I had 20 minutes, you know what I mean? I wish I had that little bit longer. And that was kind of the same as when we were there. Like, we were doing really cool stuff, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But, yeah, can I just, like, go and work with this guy and just do a <laughs> full scene of dialogue? I mean, there's a, there's a genuine wrestling-based question on it, and and it comes from both thinking about both of you and, and Jimmy. You're both good at promos. Um, like, because people say to me, like, when I do my stuff at the start of a progress show, mm. which, to me, is just me doing my job, but yeah. people, like, quite seriously and, and look weirdly like look forward to me doing it which I find odd because it's just me mm. just going hiya mm. and maybe making a couple of jokes that still the favourite one I did was when there was two mums in the audience and I literally just kept referencing the entire show that's my favourite thing I think I've ever done but like even at Brixton I didn't plan what I was going to say until around about I got in the ring mm. but I am an improvised based, yeah. improvisation based comic yeah. it's different my job is talking a lot of wrestlers talking is the bit that that scares them. You're very comfortable at talking. So, for example, in, in Manchester, you had to do a little promo. Yeah. Where I think we literally went, you need to say this, and you went, fine. Yeah. And I, you're not the sort of person I see going over lines, because some wrestlers will do this and, yeah. and have to go over the lines again and again and again and again and again. But someone like yourself, someone like Jimmy, people who can just go, I'll go, these are the points I need you to hit, off you go, and you'll go, okay. Yeah. You know, and that does seem to be how you are with promos. Yeah, I, I mean, like I say, I think I know we keep harping back to it a little bit, but I think it's just how old I am. Yeah. That level of not maturity. I don't want to say that I'm more mature than anyone else. I'm just, but like the whole life experience, doing door to door sales. Like how many people have I spoken to face to face off a whim that will just come out with something completely random and different? Hmm. And I suppose my character is, you know, the guy that just goes out there and kind of connects with everyone, whether it be in a good or a bad way, yeah. or positive or negative way, rather. So I think the promos just need to come across like that. Like I'm like. Oh well, yes. This is what's going on, is it? Yeah. All right, let me think of something. I like <laughs> there's there's been times where I've been doing promos and I actually say that I go, hmm. you said that's an interesting conversation. And I don't think I've actually got anything to answer you with at the moment. So let's just fill some dead time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And like yeah, you know, and just kind of like laugh through it because I think that's what my character would do mm. if he was put under pressure. He'd be like, um. Uh, Let's change the conversation. Talk about something else. I, I think because with 
the, the big thing with promos for anyone is believability. Yeah. And if it's believable that you would go, oh, I need to think about that. Yeah. That's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Uh, I think with, with all the stuff I say in the ring, because I'm not a character, but everyone knows it's my, you know, I'm one of the three people that own the company. Yeah. And I clearly love wrestling. And I clearly spend most progress shows going, apart from when I'm stressing about the actual show itself, but most of the time yeah. I'm just like, I can't believe people have turned up for this. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. So I spend most of my time being genuinely happy about it. And I am genuinely happy. So when I thank the fans for coming, it comes across as legitimate. Yeah. Equally, there's little things I do, like I don't bang on about people buying merch and stuff. Yeah. I'll, I will maybe go, it's the interval, maybe buy some merch, got kids feed, and I'll do it as a joke. Yeah. But I, nev- I will never be like, dude... The thing that always makes me feel uncomfortable at big shows like WWE and TNA is when people go, and in the interval, you can buy this, and you can buy this, and you can buy this, because people have already bought a ticket. You should kind of, for yeah. me, you and should buy stuff. There's a 90% chance. They're going to do it. They're going to buy something, whether yeah. it be a pen or a rubber. It's funny you say that, and not to name drop, but I went to see Justin Bieber. Clang. No, <laughs> uh, not in person, don't worry. Like, we didn't actually hang out. He's quite, quite henchy, he can wrestle. So, I went to see Bieber. And I was like, half of me is doing it because, you know, I actually think, like, the last time they bought it, it's kind of cool. There's some good tracks on it. Let's just be let's just be honest with each other. It's very catchy tunes. But I wanted to see the show. <laughs> Same reason I was, uh, like, a few years ago, I was like, my mate said, oh, Slipknot are playing here. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I want to see a Slipknot show. Unbelievable. Do I know? Do I know all the words to every song? No. no. Do I find it petrifying, most of it? Yes. <laughs> but do I want to see their live show? Yeah, I do. I want to see a drummer drum upside down on fire. Yeah. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Can, please, can you call your autobiography from Slipknot to Beaver? <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one I want to see is Ramstein. Never seen Ramstein. Oh, unbelievable life. Oh, unbelievable. Obviously, I know what Do Hast is. I know that song. I don't know any other song they've ever done. I have no interest in, in you know finding out a bit more about their back catalogue. But what I do know is that those guys put on a show. Yeah. So if I wanted to go and see a show, I'd more than happily pay whatever it was. Two of them are trained pyrotechnicians. That's incredible. I, I, I see incredible things on like YouTube videos from like, yeah. the people in the crowd. There's flamethrowers going there's over. There's something... Like, if I go to a WWE show, I am half watching the wrestling because I love wrestling but I'm half watching how they put the show together because I want to learn because they're the best people to learn what, from. what was your first mania uh, 2012 okay that, 2012 uh, Miami okay yeah. Hell in a Cell yeah the best I was there <laughs> um, watching that as a fan kind of ruins a bit of the illusion for you because mm. there's so much going on in the ring and then 25 geezers are putting together like a papier-mâché skulls throne yeah. that Super Lage is going to come out on in a minute and you're like, ah. Oh. But then so much of you has got the respect for how it looks visually as yeah. a finished product. You're like, ah, that's how they do it. It just doesn't pop about the ground. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the building stuff just, and the camera angles. I mean, you start to appreciate it, it's amazing. But talking about merch, Bieber, got to be the richest artist, arguably one of the richest artists in the world. Was doing a little talk before a couple of sh- uh, before his break, and urged people to go and buy merch, mm. just like you said. Yeah. And I'm like, for a guy who's worth 200, 300 million, why are you pushing merch? Yeah. They're gonna buy it anyway. I thought it was a very, very bizarre thing to say, and it just didn't feel genuine. No. At all, and like whether it's a promo, whether it's a thing, whether he's just trying to sell some merch, whether the merch company are on his back because they're not selling enough merch, whatever. But it's like you said, like, I think when people are addressing a crowd, the only thing that comes across 
you know, if you come across as genuine, no matter if you're a, if you're a genuine arsehole, mm. the crowd will buy it because they know you're an arsehole. That's, you're not just someone nice pretending to be an arsehole. That's my heel run, mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are the dick. Um, <laughs> someone whose Twitter name is, oh, uh, yeah, which is great. Um, what? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, I feel Trent Seven would make an excellent Elizabethan bard. If you could let him know, that would be grand. Have you got a rough? Can uh, we get you a rough? I haven't, but uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to have a dig at it. <laughs> I'll tread the boards. Um, no Ian Hamilton, any tips on growing a mighty beard with it curling or going itchy? Okay, you need to get yourself a good beard brush. Right. So if you're at the stage where it's like, say, about a centimetre long, yeah. you need to get a soft beard brush. They kind of look like, you know the ones that you used to polish your school shoes with? Yeah. Because you know. Who wears shoes these days? Um, Not me or you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, those things that you see, it looks a little bit like that, maybe a little bit thicker, maybe about a, I don't know, three to f- three by four inch, and just just keep brushing it whenever yeah. you're not doing anything. Just keep brushing it against the grain with the grain, and just don't shave. That's that's the that's the thing. Yeah, that, that people struggle. The with. Absolute key to that is people get to a stage and like, oh, it looks shit. Well, it, you got, it's the same as you know you've got very short hair. You know for a well. After a certain while, it gets to that stage where you've got that raffinade look and you're like, yeah. oh, God. And you're trying to just, you know, if you yeah. want to grow your hair out, you're trying to flatten head down hair that doesn't want to go flat. Yeah. And it's the same as a beard. It's going to grow in whatever direction it needs to until it gets long enough for you to be able to start like, yeah. stroking it down. So, And then find a very nice barber who looks after your beard as well. Nice. Good. Um, Josh Middleton, best person to work in a wrestling sense. Who, ne- who leaps to mind? And again, wrestlers listen to this. If he doesn't name you, he means no. If offense. I don't name you, it's not. It's, <laughs> n- it's no offence. Um, Pete Dunn, MK Good. McKinnon. I mean, what what's the nature of finding someone good to work with? Is it someone who is? Uh, that you've just instantly got a chemistry yeah, with or is it just knowing you trust someone or, yeah, yeah trust is a massive thing uh, Mikey Mikey Whiplash yeah we've had like a million matches and like I just feel so safe and so confident that what we're going to do is a great match it's going to be fine everyone's going to love it and we're going to be safe as houses and come back yeah. and good laughter and we've done some ridiculous ridiculous things especially you know early on mm. in the few in you know the, the whatever the, the ongoing series of matches we were having some very 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 scary things that I've been told off by a lot of people <laughs> at various levels of professional wrestling what's the scariest thing you've done in a match with Mikey because Mikey Mikey is both brilliant a wonderful sensible level headed man and a nutcase and a complete lunatic and a complete yeah. and yeah. lunatic in one we, person uh, my debut show for ICW in Birmingham on one of the tours we're having a little wander around it's, it's you know, have a look what we can do. And there's a steel ramp right right, right opposite the middle of the ring, about four, three, four foot away. Yeah. Steel ramp, but... The, en- the entrance ramp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the entrance ramp is, obviously, to make it non-slip, it's almost finely corrugated. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the sort of thing. Um, so we just thought, oh, it'd be cool if we t- could tease something on there. Oh, yeah, that'll look awesome. And then uh, eventually came around to we doing this, you know, we decided that well, we'll just do a superplex. We'll just do a suplex from inside the ring, outside the ring, off the oh. apron onto the metal thing. Yeah, okay, no worries, it'll be fine. And there's a slight delay in the one bit, but anyway, it ends up me brainbustering oh. him 
off the apron onto a corrugated oh, steel Jesus. ramp. And thank God we were both we were both at the you know we both did it like safely yeah. enough to not be injured from it. You know we had a couple of cuts and lacerations and you know etc etc. But we, we we both lived on and survived and didn't break anything or hurt each other. And then that kind of escalated to the square go, um, where he then returned the favour and superplexed me from inside out of the ring to eliminate me yeah. over the top rope, boom, onto the floor. And then later on that year at Barrowmania, we did the superplex from the top buckle to the floor. <sighs> it's just, I'm thinking there's been a time in progress where there was a superplex to the outside, which was, I want to say, Jimmy and Mark Andrews, I think. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong though. But but I remember it as a promoter watching it going, oh God. And I trust you guys to do mm. it. But whenever there's a, this is a thing to bear in mind, whenever there's a scary spot like that, as a rule, we've never asked anyone to do this. Mm. So, for example, when um, Will Ospreay kicked Jimmy off of our balcony at the Electric Ballroom and then Moon sold it off of it, we had no idea they were going to do it. And when the management of the, of the venue are going, you can't do that, we will literally never let you wrestle here again. We're like, we had no idea, we're super sorry. And, and often when a really scary spot is planned, sometimes we won't know about it. Yeah. In the same way that, I've, I've covered this on Tuesday Night Jewel before, if there's been an unprotected chair shot in our matches, yeah. I am angry with people for doing it yeah. because it's dangerous for them. You yeah. know? And you're a mate, but if you took an unprotected chair shot, I'd, I'd yell at you because yeah. I don't want you to get hurt. And it's silly. Um, because there's safe ways to take a chair shot, put your hands up, call that. Yeah. But I'd prefer it if you weren't hitting each other in the head with chairs. But yeah. often, because we don't work the matches out ourselves, because we're not wrestlers, sometimes that stuff happens. And then, but it's us that has to apologise when fans are going. That was a bit dangerous. We're like, but we didn't, we didn't tell them to do it. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes people get a bit carried away because it's easy to. Similar thing happened uh, with attacker. I think man, uh, Mark Andrews did a moonsault off the balcony, and the venue was like. Because they didn't see what well, or whoever was in charge didn't see it till the the, um, gi- the gif or the video going yeah, up the next yeah. day, and they're like, "Someone jumped off the back." Uh, yeah, but, and also as well, like the big concern when that balcony spot happened with us is uh, the, the ballroom balcony is a long way up. Yeah, because Mark Andrews did a moonsault off a little balcony in the Brixton Academy. As well, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, because that's not high, and there was no punters underneath him. Whereas Brixton Academy, uh, uh, the the electric ballroom, mm. it's really high and. Everyone was under yeah. the And, I mean, luckily, everyone involved in the match had worked it out. There was enough people. It was a big multi-man match. There was enough people in the match and enough trainees doing security to catch people. But all I could, when I saw Will jump off the balcony from the other side of the room, I wasn't thinking, shit, that's going to look good as a gif. <laughs> I was thinking, oh God, hope no one's... Please don't uh, Especially, uh, I hope all the wrestlers are fine, but equally, I also hope no one's landed on a punter. Yeah. because I don't want any of our crowd to get hurt yeah. you know we've, our crowd are very good at knowing when there's going to be a dive and getting out of the way which yeah. pleases me um, Jimmy Nails I don't think he's really I don't think it's the Jimmy Nails um, says um, Crocodile Shoes he doesn't uh, he says you're forced at gunpoint to form a tribute band or else will you be Trent Shed 7 or Trent Club 7 so the weaker end of 90, late 90s Britpop or one of the worst manufactured pop bands of all time? Which, which one are you going with? Which one are you going with? Trent Club 7. Trent Club <laughs> Bear in mind he's seen Bieber and none of us are surprised. Yeah. Um, um, 
This one here is from She's Late. Um, how does one shake all of the hands that you shake with no anti-back? I mean, oh, maybe that's that's a heel thing for you, just after every handshake, just anti-back wipe. Um, <laughs> just find fix it... some gel around, just anti-back <laughs> gel around your neck. I'm just... not like a pipette situation. <laughs> uh. um, I mean... <sighs> I'm a, I'm a very clean person, like, you know. You are clean. You smell I, lovely. Thanks, mate. Always. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not to the point where I'm OCD and I wash my hands all the time, but mm. I'll wash my hands at various points throughout the day, and I like to keep clean and fresh, because I touch my moustache and beard a lot. Yeah. Obviously, that, that's a little bit messy sometimes. I've got a baby, mate. That's, I am the most anti-back man in the world. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I get diseases. Um, oh, it's just terrible. I, I suppose... I never really think about it because it's just you come out the curtain and you get yeah. act time and it's, it's not. I, I shake at a lot of people's hands and high five people and hug people all the time, especially at shows. Sometimes yeah. at the merch stand, it yeah. gets a little bit funky. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, and you're like, you, you know, say at the end of a show or whatever, yeah. and it's it's the coolest thing in the world because everyone wants to come and tell you that you're a, a good dickhead. Yeah, or tell you that you're a nice bloke, whatever yeah. you know, whatever their opinion is of you, and th- I mean that's arguably the best thing about wrestling. Yeah, it's after you've done it, getting a little, you know, getting that appreciation, it's, all, it's instant what kind feedback. Of impact yeah. you've had on people, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. It's but at that point, there you're like, you know, it's a long night. Everyone's had a bit of a sweat, but then I don't really worry about it so much because I'm sweaty as hell at that point. <laughs> people, some for some reason, want to come up and go, oh, pat me on the back, and I'm like. <laughs> This is me freaking out for you. Like, I don't care if you touch me, that's fine, but I am sweaty. There's, every now and again, um, say if we have a title change or something like that, a wrestler will hug me in the ring, and there'll always be a point where I'll hug and I'll be like, oh, God, you're sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a particularly sweaty man, and there's no reason yeah. for me to sweat. I do no physical exertion at, at shows, and I'll be like, this is a beautiful moment. I'm glad we've captured it. Yeah. You are sweaty. Yeah, you are sweaty. Um, Shauna says, who decided on the entrance music for British Strong Style, the, uh, the current Progress Tag Team Champions, yourself and Pete Dunne, um, which is now in an Yves Saint Laurent album. It is, it? Yes, I noticed it's, last yeah. night. So it's been in my head. Yeah. Um, I have a weird thing with my brain and my OCD, which means that I often lie awake at night with my insomnia with like one or two lines of a song mm. around in my head. And you can't, which, you can't click into the next no, line. which your no. theme tune um, has been uh, in my head. Now, the song is by, it's by Jack White. Jack White, yeah. And it's cover. It is a cover. I is it? Believe. I think so. Yeah. Um, well, would the Yves Saint one be the original? I don't know, but either way, because it's in because it's from the Great Gatsby soundtrack. Isn't yes, it? who 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 chose it? Because in some cases, when we change people's music or, or we have to use new music in progress, it's it's me. So Marty Skills, Portishead music was me because we had to give him something that wasn't making people cheer. Yeah, yeah. um, and it really suits him and is the okay. second creepiest song we use in progress after Jimmy's AFI yeah. theme. Hmm. Um, so. Um, but who was it? It was me. Was it? Yeah. Is it something that you had in your head? I'd quite like to use this. I've ve- a very. I used it once, I think, right. when we did the Shikara tour two years ago at the garage. No, yeah, at the garage, Islington. Yeah, it is a cover, by the way. The original is by you too. Is it? Yeah. 
Uh, what it says. Yeah, anyway, come on. Um, so, yeah, um, me and Tyler came out to it at the garage. Me, Tyler, and Clint came out to it at the garage. Yeah. Nice. And then it switched into Sledgehammer. And then we stripped teased. <laughs> <laughs> Music's such a big, like, I, I think about, and most people know this with me, like, like we changed playing the Drake song because we've ended one chapter of Progressive History. So, the Drake thing, we did a big uh, promo video with the Drake thing before um, Brixton. Yeah. But that's it, not doing Drake song anymore. Um, I've now been allowed to admit publicly I don't particularly care for that Drake song um, and, but I got I picked four other songs that I know I've played before shows and people reacted well to them so I got four other songs yeah. to do the lead in and I got people to vote for them and then some people got really angry about the one that we chose and some people were really pleased that we chose it and it got I was like alright people do take music as seriously as me because music's a big thing it's a huge mm-hmm. thing um, loads of people asking for beard grooming tips hello wrestling memes um what um, do wrestle memes, huh? Uh, just beard grooming tips. Which uh, is weird, because memes doesn't... Have does a memes beard. have a beard? No. Um, uh, Neil Bradbury, your single favourite trainer of all time. Uh, I don't think they mean uh, in a wrestling sense. They mean on a foot sense. What we're both wearing today, I'm wearing my Flying Air, Air Maxes, which you've got the same pair of. I've got exactly the same pair of in the OG Reds. Yeah. Uh, today I'm wearing a Flying It Racer. Damn, yeah. nice. Yeah. You've got smaller feet than me. I'm an eight. Yeah, you have um, you couldn't get on board with me giving my trainers away at the, nope. uh, at the last program. Devastated. Um, I was thinking, I'll just wear six pairs of socks. Raised £117 for charity doing that. Wonderful. What a lovely idea. Thank you, everyone who contributed. Good um, um, but favourite trainer of all time? <sighs> See, I've got mine tattooed on me. <laughs> so, um, uh, so mine are, uh, yeah. Jordan. The old Air, Air Force, Force ones. Yeah. Um, um, you got the Air Max One. I nice. think it's just timeless. You know, we've got like you're saying. You're more a Nike man than flooded version. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of the Gazelle. The Gazelle is a classic, though. It's Purple classic. suede Gazelle. I remember having a pair of them when I was 18. Yeah. Again, some music. Oh, and um, the next one right up there is the Asics Gel Light Three. Oh, with the split toe. I've got about five pairs of them. That's oh, good. How many pairs of trainers you got? Probably only about 15, 12, 15. So I'm down to, I've got 20 now. Yeah. The most I've ever had. And this was before, no, it's kind of when I'd started comedy, but it was when I was working as a buyer, I was a shoe buyer, so I started the collection then. And I had, in my old house when I lived on my own, I had shoe racks built into my lounge wall because I just had so many pairs. The most I've ever had was 140. Yeah, but a lot of them, a lot of them were bought from outlet places in Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of them were bought. Like I had, a, I forget. I was telling this story to you the other day, but um, there was one of the outlet places in Florida that you could buy people's Nike ID trainers that they'd sent back as rejects. So I had a pair of yellow Air Jordans with the word Jeff sewn into the top. Because there J E F F or G E O J E F F. I was just like, I like the word Jeff. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> Jeff didn't like those. Jeff was like, no, but they're in my size. I thought, fuck it, I'll buy them. Um, Katie Matthews, you're stranded on an island with Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates, your two different tag team partners. Which do you eat first? Oh, God. I mean, one of them is vegan. <laughs> Both? Oh, is, is Tyler they're vegan both, as well? Yeah, I yeah, didn't realise yeah. Tyler was vegan. They're both vegan, so I'm safe. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> Either way. <laughs> That's amazing. They're just going to be like sharing a palm tree leaf for six years. <laughs> um, as I'm casually nibbling away at uh, Tyler or Pizza. Hmm. They're both very well built. Both got a lot of muscle tissue. Mm. Uh, I think I'd probably eat Pete because he's a little bit older and Tyler's got more to live for. Tyler's got more of his life ahead of him. Um, if I was in that situation, sorry, Pete Dern, I'd eat you. I, if I was in that situation, I'd find it more difficult to eat Tyler purely because I've met his mum. Uh, yeah. I worry about I worry about letting Jill down. Yeah. Um, I've saved you there, Jill. There you go. Um, I'll eat Pete. Martin Bentley, who's Trent's favourite member of S Club Seven? Holy moly! Um, my favourite member of S Club Seven. Uh, what was the uh, the blonde head girls? Uh, I have literally no frame of reference. Okay. Are you gonna... No, I'm gonna. F- I'll find out. Just so I'm, I'm doing this with a level of professionalism. Yeah, because I, mean, I am gonna do a cover band of them. You so. have. Yeah, I mean, we. I have. need to get my stuff together. You would definitely okay, get your stuff together. Yeah, definitely. My favorite member of S Club Seven was that one on the left. She looks a little bit like a younger version of um, Jennifer Aniston. Okay. Do you remember which... Oh, hang on, I don't know, I don't know what their names out, are. I'm going to find out which, I'm going to find out what her name is. <laughs> You're good. Rachel Stevens. Rachel Stevens. That was her name. Right, Rachel there we go. Stevens. Um, uh, who released... Didn't she release Sweet Dreams My LAX as a separate... As a solo single. She may have... She I, may well... I just remember it being really catchy when I was a local radio presenter. Yeah. Um, uh, Derriere Square um, nice a lot of people have changed their names for Halloween as well which is making yeah. this really difficult yeah. a lot um, of pumpkins popping up these days um, does weighing in at Hench qualify him for uh, you presumably for the Atlas division in progress over £205 or the Cruiserweight Classic under £205 WWE um, which one does it qualify you for uh, it qualifies me for Atlas yeah um, or maybe I fit into that unique little bruiser weight section. Yeah. Um, uh, Corrigan Anderson says, "Is your name a tribute to Dustin Rhodes' sensational, albeit short-lived, character Seven? And he's included a picture which I'd forgotten about, which was his w- WCW character where they tried to play off Didn't the film to yeah, the ring. into the ring. That was incredible. I mean, yeah. it's the worst thing I've ever seen. I reckon as well. But I don't know. Floating to the ring is a cool. Entrance. I don't know how into video games you are, but I reckon he was subtly based on the Metal Gear Solid character Psycho Mantis. Ah, uh, see, not a Metal Gear Solid man. No. So that's my theory, anyway. Um, no is the answer yeah. Burak uh, frequent contributor says as a fellow bearded gent how do you deal with eating Greg's which inevitably flakes everywhere presumably if you're eating a Greg's pasty or pastry of any form how do you deal with pastry well I had the uh, I had the luxury of uh, getting a cheeky Greg's from is it Kale Services anyway uh, on one of my journeys last week yeah and I had the uh, steak bake nice as standard and yes there's just no way around it unless you eat it I can't do this because it's a rope. yeah unless you eat it with your mouth facing the table yeah and just nibble it like nice. then you're still going to get little bits in there nice there's nothing you can do final question um, uh, from Jimmy Nails man again um, Trent 007 has a ring to it but which UK wrestler would make the best James Bond that's a 
That's a brilliant... Well done. He can just keep coming. You know what I pick? Go on. Doug Williams. Because mm. there's an air of Daniel Craig about him already. Mm. Oh, my word. It's a good question, That's though. a belter. Who... Who's quite suave? Suave. Because you've got to be suave, really. See, like... Jack Gallagher. He's a pretty suave Oh, that'd bloke. be good. But he's more of a Sherlock character. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he Sherlock. Can, he could rock a Sherlock, no doubt. No doubt. Um, Bond. Oh, my word. <laughs> this I think is I'd the hardest like question to end on ever. I'd like to think... Uh, maybe he's a bit too big to be a Bond. Rampage? Would oh, be a good, good bond, do you know what I mean? Like, just just clink all that stuff, like, leave a little bit of moustache in being. Yeah, that works. Fucking hell, that huh? There's got to be something. Someone's going to pop up in a minute, and I'm just going to go, oh, it's obviously them. <laughs> uh, Ch- do you know Charlie Garrett is? Yeah, 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 yeah. He could be bond. He's a good-looking lad. That's good. It's good work. Solid. Um, bond. We might take that one to Twitter at a later date. <laughs> we'll, we'll find some more people. Oh my word. Um, Sabre. Oh yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Um, Clean cut, English, boom, yes. Could do all the roles and stuff like that. Could probably do a couple of his own stunts. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, Zack, Zack the Bond. Um, Right, final last thing. Go. Plug some stuff. Where are you on Twitter and Facebook and, and websites and things like that? Uh, I am on Twitter at Trent7. I am on Instagram at Trent7, but with a number 7 on the end as well. Nice. Trent77. T-R-E-N-T-S-E-V-E-N, little 7. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, we've just finished up three days of Fight Club Pro, uh, so if you want to check out where I came from, that would be great. Check out Fight Club Pro on Facebook. Uh, and our on-demand Vimeo service or streaming Vimeo service next week I uh, no sorry this weekend I am in Sheffield Southampton Portsmouth and then back home for a solid Monday of rest so or a safari park visit Whatever, West, West Midlands Safari Park. Whatever Kimberly wants to go and do, because she's whinging <laughs> about not going to a safari park. So I'm like, okay, well, you're over here, we'll take this. Safari park. Good safari park, that as well. Um, so, yeah. And it's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's only a, a short drive round. It's not too. It's not you still have a daughter to it, like. And the rides are getting better air as well. So, if, you know, if it's, not, if it's a good day on Monday and you've got the day off, I'll be at West Midlands Safari Park. Um, so, yeah, you can catch me there. Um, progress. On de- uh, progress on demand demand-progress.com does, de- demand does, that progress do watch the, the four way match that you ah. and Pete were involved in uh, from Manchester because it is excellent thank you um, very much it is excellent um, and yes and um, you, you'll be seeing me pop up on various uh, companies throughout the UK um, I've got a very busy schedule for November so I'm very excited about that you did an ICW's Hydro show as well you? Uh, and that culminates on the 20th uh of November I'm gutted I can't go to so gutted I can't go to at the SSE Hydro for the title in a steel cage match that's alright on the same bill as (laughs) As Dudley's Kurt Angle 
And, oh, what's that bloke's name? Oh, yeah, Finn Balor. Yeah, that'll be all right, won't it? Yeah. Be so that'll, we'll just do that then, shall we? Yeah. Because, you know, what else are you going to do on the 20th? Yeah. Oh, um, mind-boggling. Well, thanks for having me into your house and having a chat. Um, Pleasure. I'm going, to, um, I'm going to go and contemplate growing a beard now. I think you should do it. Yeah, I'll do it. So that was me and Trent Seven, uh, a good chat. He's a good talker. Uh, I'll hopefully have him on another round table again soon, just uh, when diaries and such match up. Um, but very grateful for Trent for coming on to the show, answering your questions. Thank you for your questions if you tweeted them to me uh, this lunchtime as well. Really appreciate it. Don't forget, jimsmormon.com slash TNJ if you want to point anyone in the general direction of this podcast. Um, if you happen to have your iTunes open now and you want to give us a five-star review or um, uh, leave us an actual review with real words in it, then please do. We'd be super, super grateful. Um, but jimsmormon slash TN, jimsmormon.com rather slash TNJ for all the links to how to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, jimsmormon.com slash mygirls for my stand-up special and then progresswrestling.com and demand-progress.com for progress wrestling related stuff. In particular, if you want to go and watch Trent Seven in action in the various matches he's had for us thus far. Anyway, thanks for listening this week, guys. Next week is a roundtable episode where we will get together and discuss Hell in a Cell. Uh, so that's to look forward to next Tuesday. Anyway, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening to Tuesday Night Jaw on the Distraction Pieces Network. We'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.